Hello, promoters, and welcome to Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. I am Sam Fain, your co-host, and I am joined this week, of course, by Todd Gershel, the tournament master. Todd, how are you? Doing great. Doing great. Another uh, great week of uh, Phil Singer Games uh, Roll Up here. We're looking forward to this one for sure. I know. I really, really am. It's one that we've been having kind of simmer for a while. It was on the back burner, but now here we are ready to just uh, uh, take it off the stove and, and have a meal of it or something. I don't know. Uh, Mike, how are you, sir? <laughs> I, I am fantastic. I'm excited about our guest tonight. This is like just a great Great episode. This should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Speaking of our guest, we are joined, of course, by one of the co-hosts of Uncharted Territory. Uh, Corey Olson is here. We're going to talk a little USWA, talk a little bit promoter spotlight sort of stuff. Uh, It'll be a really fun time. Corey, how are you? Uh, Doing great, Sam. Thanks so much for having me. It's great that we could finally get this done. Like you say, it's been simmering for a while, trying to find the right day and time to do this. And glad I can be here. I'm uh, I'm, I'm almost tempted to start doing a weather report right, right now, but then I got to remember I almost what show I'm on. <laughs> what, is, what is the weather like? I mean, well, yeah. well, just gimmick, you know, it's so, your gimmick. We got to do so it. So we were do before we were talking about timelines just a moment ago before we started recording. We recorded our show last night, but I think we're going to drop after this one. So it'll be all out of order. Uh, <laughs> yesterday was beautiful, 60 degrees. Today dropped about 10, 15 degrees, uh, rainy, cold, windy. And of course, later this week, it's supposed to drop down to the 30s again, and we're going to get snow. So, you know, just all out of order. It's just if you promoters, depending on how you listen to this and to our show, you're just going to be really confused what's going on in Minnesota. So could be some real future shock there for you. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well done, Mike. Well done. Um, Yeah. You know, I I have to say that we had a gorgeous day here in Chicago. Uh, It was so nice to be able to get out, took the kids to the park, uh, which it's it's only like the second time I've ever taken Jude, who's the five month old, to the park, uh, and it, you know it's 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 always interesting when it's one adult and two kids. Um, but uh, we had a great time, uh, and it was really nice to just kind of get out of the house because I feel like it, it's been a while since we've been able to do it because it's either been so cold, and so we've just gone for like a short walk, not you know been able to go to the park or whatever. Um, but today it was beautiful, and of course tomorrow it's going to be. Thunderstorms. Uh, I read. I read. Tornadic activity is possible. So we'll we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, uh, it was it was it was a good day, uh, and it is a great evening because I get to sit here and talk with you, gentlemen. It's going to be super super exciting um, because we've got a lot uh, to talk about and a lot to cover. So we'll dive right into our news and notes. Um, I wanted to kick something off actually with something that's a little bit of uh, a downer. Well, actually not a little bit. It's it's a major bummer. But uh, I wanted to go ahead and kick us off with this because uh, I figure everything will be uphill from here. Uh, and that is that there was some sad news coming out of Japan. Uh, Shinjiro Otani, who uh, a lot of promoters will probably recognize from his run in WCW. Uh, He had some great matches with Eddie Guerrero in particular. Um, Took a German suplex into the turnbuckle and unfortunately didn't get up. Um, He was unconscious apparently for a short amount of time before regaining consciousness, but had no feeling uh, in his his arms or legs. Uh, He was transported to the hospital and uh, it sounds like he has a cervical spine injury. Um, They're going to be doing some surgery uh, uh, it might actually be ongoing right now because of the time difference. I'm not 100% sure, but um, and uh, hopefully 
he'll be on the road to recovery. What that recovery will look like, I have no idea. Um, but uh, he's truly one of the all-time, you know, great junior heavyweights uh, in New Japan and then broke off into uh, the Zero One promotion, which he sort of co-founded with Shinya Hashimoto uh, and ended up wrestling, you know, at the heavyweight level. Um, he's just done so many things in Japan over the past 20 years, um, not only in Zero One, but in All Japan and Pro Wrestling Noah and uh, really just one of those guys that uh, he's been around for such a, a long time, you know, 30 year career, um, that he's done just about everything, you know, that somebody could do uh, without necessarily winning like every single title or every single tournament. Um, but, uh, an incredible talent. And, and one of the guys that really kind of got me in to Japanese wrestling, um, I had seen him in WCW, uh, and, and basically it was like him, Liger and Muda. And when I first started collecting tapes, um, you know, I, he was one of the junior heavyweights that I kind of followed. Um, and so, uh, really, you know, hoping for the best, thinking about him and, and, and hoping that this is the type of thing that as, as severe as it sounds now, as awful as it sounds now, um, that he is able to regain some mobility and some feeling after the surgeries, um, and, uh, and, you know, live a, a happy and healthy and productive life, uh, even if it, it no longer involves the, the wrestling ring, but, uh, he's definitely a legendary figure in Japan. Uh, so certainly thinking of him and, and want to, uh, you know, encourage all of our other promoters to maybe spare a thought. Um, and, uh, 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 yeah, Corey, what, what, do you have any, any memories or thoughts on Otani? Uh, thank you for sharing this. I had not heard this, Sam. So this is news to me. Um, yeah, definitely. I remember him at the beginning of the WCW Cruiserweight title. You know, yeah. they'd been building that up for really over a year that they were going to do this. And they finally did it. You know, the, the tournament was kind of <laughs> haphazard, but, uh, um, you know, I thought it was cool. They chose him to be the first champ and, uh, you know, he, he obviously didn't hold it that long. And uh, I really hoped he'd make more appearances uh, stateside, but I definitely remember him from that era. I remember the the match where he, uh, became the first champ, beat Dean Malenko in Japan. Um, I, I I don't know if he was the very first guy I saw do this, but I remember one of the earliest that I saw do like a springboard DDT into mm. the ring. Um, just, you know, just an awesome talent. So, yeah, very, very sad to hear that. Definitely keep him in my, my thoughts and prayers. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny, too, thinking about his WCW uh, run where he wrestled uh, Eddie Guerrero. Of course, they mm -hmm. had wrestled a number of times in Japan when Eddie Guerrero was the Black Tiger. Um, yeah. So they were very familiar with one another, which showed in, in, in the couple uh, few matches uh, that they that they had. Uh, Mike, uh, any, any thoughts on Otani? Uh -oh, well, I mean, first off, I mean... You know, I, I can you hear me? I'm sorry, I didn't. I yep, we got there you for a second. Okay, good. I I think that it's, um, you know, it's it's you could know, talk about matches he did and things. So, but I mean, obviously, this is an injury that's not it's not a little one, and you really, um, I think, need to step back sometimes. I mean, lots of times, I mean, you know, the whole, you know, dig on wrestling. Oh, wrestling is fake. No, wrestling is not fake. Wrestling may have predetermined outcomes, uh, but it is not fake. And these guys, you know, you know, the don't try this at home thing is, is real. I mean, they're, they're, these are really trained professionals who things go wrong and bad things can happen. Um, and so you just hope for the best, you, you hope for as full a recovery as possible. And, you know, the wrestling piece of it's secondary, really, hopefully, you know, the, the health is, is what's the most concerning here. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Todd, thoughts on Otani? 
Um, yeah, I mean, obviously really tragic there. Uh, yeah, I had, can't say I've seen a ton of a tiny mattress. I've definitely heard the name and kind of know a little bit of the history there, but I haven't seen a ton myself, but you know, I'll definitely go back and, and check some now, you know, just kind of knowing more about, you know, I definitely, I heard the news this weekend, you know, and, and been hearing a little bit more about just, you know, his, uh, history and stuff too so yeah, i'll definitely be checking out i encourage everybody else to check out some of his stuff as well yeah yeah most recently uh i i will admit to having not followed a lot of what he's done over the past few years but last year he was a participant in the all japan uh, champions carnival which is actually taking place right now as well the 2022 version of it and it was it was so cool watching him last year because he just like he had that sort of like grumpy old man vibe uh in, in the ring and it was so cool seeing him in there with some of the younger guys and anytime he got a chance to kind of like show him up and use his experience to get get one over on him or whatever he didn't win a lot of matches in the tournament but he was just such a great personality in the tournament and uh um you know clearly still uh, had a lot to to offer so um you know regardless again of what his trajectory is like you know mike was saying the wrestling stuff is completely secondary certainly just hope for uh, a recovery um of, of some fashion any fashion um but uh, away from the real wrestling ring, let's go ahead and step into some Phil Singer Games news. Uh, of course, we have uh, some announcements uh, to talk about, including uh, for the indie side of things, uh, the announcement of none other than Ninja Mac for the best of the indies 2022. Uh, Ninja Mac is a pretty interesting guy, uh, has had uh, quite the run in GCW. Um, also recently, uh, I mentioned on the boards uh, about his Mania weekend, and, and of course, in addition to being uh, on a number of shows, I think one of my favorite moments was uh, his spot on Bloodsport, uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, where he appeared maskless, uh, which was which was pretty cool. Um, the funny thing about Ninja Mac is his last name actually is Mac, so that's like you know not just a gimmick; like he is indeed Ninja Mac. I mean, I don't know if he's actually a ninja, but you know, I don't know if Raphael, Leonardo, Donatello, and Michelangelo were really ninjas, but. You know, it's still they're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so he's Ninja Mac. Uh, anyway, Coco uh, breaking K fame, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, um, so, Mike, I'll shoot over to you. Talk a little bit about Ninja Mac, in particular, maybe about this artwork. Oh, I mean, I think Werner absolutely killed this artwork. This is one of his absolute best pieces. I think it really captures the guy. I don't know a lot about Ninja Mac the wrestler, but now I want to after looking at this piece of art. I mean, it, it is uh, really cool. So yeah. I, I, I give uh, full full kudos to, to Warner. And now, you know, like the Internet is going to be searched. The interwebs will be searched for uh, some some uh, some about this guy, because I, I mean, with, with art like that, he's got to find a place in your fit. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, seeing that art, you know, makes me want to see Warner take a crack at like, uh, you know, Liger and uh, Tiger Mask and 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 you know uh, Sasuke and, and others because it it would be it would be really cool to have them kind of sitting sitting beside them. Which, by the way, those are not hints; those are not spoilers. The, the, those cards are not incoming. That's just you know the thought that I had when I saw that art. Um, you got to watch yourself there, Sam. I do, don't I? Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe some promoter's gonna uh, hire him for 
for for for a bootleg or something. Who knows? Uh, but uh, uh, Todd, Sam, uh, don't don't make me get the mute button. I know, right? <laughs> I shouldn't encourage anybody to be hiring him right now either. He's busy enough as is. Uh, but uh, Todd, you know, he's he's a pretty death defying guy, doing some crazy stuff uh, in yep. and out of the ring. What are your thoughts on Ninja Mac? Uh, no, definitely, you know, I've been, definitely been hearing a lot about this guy over the course of the past year, and he's kind of been popping up everywhere. I mean, he even showed up on the Ring of Honor show, which surprised me to see him on that that lineup there too. But I mean, some of the stuff that guy does, and you know, just jumping off of crazy places, and then also, yeah, I mean, just just some of the insane moves he does in the ring. I mean, anytime he's in a scramble match, you know, something crazy is going to happen. Uh, yeah. so yeah, when, when just kind of going through uh, names for this set you now that, that was probably, you know, probably top three on the list for me that he had to be in this set. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. One Zeke told me, you know, Zeke, I think was looking for one of the, one of the shows he went to last year. I'm like, you have to get Ninja Mac. He's like, yes, I am going to get Ninja Mac. So, <laughs> so like, luckily that all worked out. And uh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, the real question was, you know, which outfit we were going to use. And I think that the red uh, really uh, pops really totally. Nice. Yeah. I thought, I think it was a great choice. Uh, Corey, are, are you familiar at all with Ninja Mac? Any, any thoughts on this card? I'm not super familiar with him. I mean, I've heard the name, and I know he's up and comer and everything. Um, as we were talking, I you showed us the artwork, and then I kind of googled some images, and yeah, this is. I mean, even before I saw the real life picture of him, I thought this is an awesome drawing. It really kind of reminds me of a COTG character. Sure, um, you know, just a really cool. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna do a throwback to uh, Steve Binskoff's Akuma the Ninja. Kind of reminds me of that style of artwork and and, and character. Um, but yeah, just looking at some real life pictures, I definitely want to check out some video of him and I've heard a lot of good things about him. So this is really cool that he's, he's going to be a part of this set. I think your brother went and saw him at a pro wrestling revolver show or That's something. That's right. Like I forgot year. about that. Yes. Yeah, so everybody's right. like, this ninja back guy's great. You got to get him in the game. I'm like, don't worry. Already got <laughs> yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Todd. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I, I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is true. Maybe Sam knows that that I think he uh, uh, actually picked up the mask because on a recommendation from Conan. So a little legends connection there. Whether yeah. that's true or not, if we if we can believe the internet, you know, that, that's <laughs> supposedly what I read once. So yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, you know, I read some very interesting things about him. Actually, uh, one of the other things that I had read uh, included the fact that apparently he took time off. Uh, from being a pro wrestler to spend time with his son. He was like, you know, he's like, I'm going to have a kid. I'm, you know what, I'm just going to go stay at home and, and be with my son. And, and if the ring calls me back after a time, then, then I'll do it. And, and I guess it was like three years or so that he just, you know, he took off to, to be a dad and, and, you know, then he went back and, you know, got, got in the ring. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the cool thing is, is that I think that what he's done in GCW is being kind of a bit of, you know, death defying, you know, kind of, you know, agile wrestler. Uh, it surprised a lot of people when he signed up for the blood sports stuff, but I guess he does have like a, a legit, like MMA background. Um, and, uh, so he was able to kind of transition that into, in, into the fight in, in blood sport. And it was nice to kind of see a different facet of him. One of the other things that's uh, interesting is that he will actually be uh, a part of the pro wrestling Noah roster uh, coming up. He's going to go do a, a tour of pro wrestling Noah, which is really cool. Um, I think that it, it'll give him the opportunity to, you know, maybe pick up some things over there, get some, you know, get some visibility, um, you know, in Japan. And, uh, 
uh, it's always great for us too. Cause now we've got a guy who's, you know, wrestling over in Japan. So, um, who knows, who knows what's next for Ninja Mac? Um, other than of course, appearing in the best of the Indies 2022, which will be coming at you sometime in May, probably towards the end of the month. Um, and uh, that that actually is pretty much all that we have as far as teasers go for this particular week. Um, of course, they'll be rolling out uh, more and more. We've got a, a Legends teaser coming for you on Friday. Um, there's there's one other thing. Oh, Todd's, we, Todd's we did Todd's have movie. a Champions of the Galaxy uh, reveal this week as well, though. We did? Yes. How did I miss it? We were just talking about it as before we got on the call. Well, I didn't know for sure Sam, if that had Sam, actually dude, happened. Sam. Sam, Sam, we're we're really gonna have to mute you. I think now it's now it's really just getting that, bad. Now it's just embarrassing. No, yeah. it's, you know that's the thing is I didn't want to spoil anything, but I didn't realize that we had actually announced the ultimate underdog <laughs> okay. for the war. Games. Okay, wait, no, no, hold on. Let's 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 pull the really pull the curtain back here. So we're filming this. We're we're filming this. We're recording this on a, on a Tuesday night, right? So Monday night. You know, you have the reveal of COTG Wednesday night, which the this Ninja Mac hasn't actually been revealed, in, but we're talking about the reveal like it's past tense. <laughs> and Sam's forgetting about the one that's actually already been revealed. Well, I mean, I, they, people need to understand that that's well. To 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 be fair, the the Ursa Major was supposed to be revealed last night, right. and then I realized I went on around eleven o'clock and realized that the post never posted, and I went on there and it said scheduled failed. I'm like, hmm. not sure how that right? happened. Yeah, but still, it was posted before. It was posted recorded to here. Yes, yes. Okay, so so it was supposed to be Monday. was was posted tonight. We talked about it before we went live, and Sam forgot about it. I just, <laughs> that, that that's sort of what happened. Okay, I, I, I promise it's going to get better from here. <laughs> it can't get any worse. <laughs> you know, I mean, I figure I just want to be on, uh, transparent with our fans. Okay, this is this is just live, sort of, kind of. Recorded live. Recorded live. Uh, podcast. So exactly. You know, so, sorry. Normally, I'm the audience. one. I'm no, I'm normally the one who screws this up. So I'm really glad it was Sam this time and not me. So <laughs> it's, um, well, all right, all right, all right. So, so now I'll get it right this time. We did indeed have another announcement this week, uh, and that was Monday night, uh, actually Tuesday, uh, announcement <laughs> of the ultimate underdog, uh, Ursa Major, coming from the War Games 2092 uh, uh, updated set here. Um, see, now I'm going to screw it up again because uh, it's it's reimagined, uh, not updated. War Games 2092 reimagined, which will, of course, feature all 10 cards from War Games 2092. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this Ursa Major art and uh, just the character in general. Todd, tell us about Ursa Major. How did he do for you? And um, what about this art? Yeah, he sucks. He absolutely <laughs> sucks. <laughs> wow. No, I, I think I think Plethodor can take him. I think yeah. Plethodor can take him, yes. I think if I remember right, we did the ultimate loser tournament at the Galacticon. It came down to him and Rainer B. Guile, I believe. I believe so. I think I, I was there for that finals. one. Yeah. And uh Ersa Major did lose the loser uh, bracket there. He was the ultimate wow. loser there. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to kind of really capture just how, you know, I, we, I think we, you know, we thought with the original art, it was maybe he looked too big because it was like a big close up and mm. whatnot. We're like, this guy should really be like a scrawny, like, you know, not, you know, not jacked up at all jobber or enhancement talent. So yeah. that's what we tried to get a little bit of that uh, in there. 
Uh, oh yeah, Mike is showing us a, a plethora T-shirt right now, which nice. might be in the auction this year. I think too. Is it? <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, so just for you know, for references for this, we did use uh, the ECW Colin Delaney mixed in uh, with uh, Jimmy Durante because we wanted to capture <laughs> the giant nose of the original one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just kind of just make him look a little little out of place. So <laughs> now it's worth noting that at some point in time between 2099 and 2109, that Ursa Major must have had a nose job because the 2109 yeah. art, like clearly we don't talk about that though. We don't talk about it. It just happened. It just okay? happened. You don't, it's, you don't embarrass the guy. Okay. No, of he course just, not. Of he course had some not. work done. That's it's just, you kind he of got, respectful you know, of that he got a little he got a little taste of success he thought you know maybe maybe this will help well, and, you know. well i mean you know he you know, lord nexus put him in touch with an image consultant they kind of worked talked about some things out and figured that he wasn't really happy with himself the way he was and this would make his confidence better so that's it just worked out it I mean, did the, early lord nexus had his own image problems right that's why he had an image guy so he knew who to talk to yeah he was able to just be like hey i got a guy <laughs> um, uh, Mike, any more thoughts about Ursa Major? He's a bum. Okay. He's a bum. I, I believe. I believe Tom's first comment about him was the first undercard bum. Yep. Yes. I, I believe that was yep. in mm-hmm. writing. Yep. We saw yep. that. So, so please, everyone, understand. I know he doesn't look great. That's the point. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he he was the first, and I believe still only pin 10-7. Somebody's going to point me out that I'm wrong. Somebody else got a 10-7 somewhere else. I mean, Corey's going to do it right now. Pollux. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did Pollux it. Did didn't it. He? Oh, I forgot about that. Jeez. Well, now that you say it, I, you're right. But but he was the first. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. He was, he, so, so he was the first 10-7 pin. You know, he's he's supposed to be bad. And um, he's supposed to look kind of pathetic because he's the guy who gets in the ring and just gets squashed by everybody. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I trust me when I say that um, chaos will look a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) And there will be some changes to his uh, stats as well, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things we've done with all the reimagined sets is we've updated them to comport with modern rules. Mm. So uh, I think there's only one card we didn't fix, and that was Thantos because it was Thantos. Uh, and and the, mayhem we mayhem. left too yep. because of yeah yeah we did leave the mayhem thing there that's true I forgot about that so but 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 the 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 big idea the idea here has been that we we try and you know fix them so that they all comport so there will not be well I don't know Tom may change his mind on all this you never know <laughs> the dark menace may may intervene but typically um, you know we will he'll comport with rules so I don't think you'll see six choice charts on his new card nice nice cotg online fans don't worry that Mm -hmm. that uh that won't be a problem going (laughs) forward uh cory what are your thoughts and and even memories of uh ursa major i mean i remember getting or bringing him into my fed for the first time of course you know i was kind of like you sam where i wasn't playing what the new sets at the time where i was catching up yeah Uh, but just to have somebody who could put over the new guys coming in your chaos and your alpha force spike, those kind of guys. Um, you know, I wanted that guy for a long time. And, um, and yeah, I remember that original artwork, like uh, Mike or Todd was saying about, he almost looked a little too buff, you know, uh, with the close up and everything. Um, and I, I remember one time, at least with that card that he got a win, um, he defeated Tendron 
and I was shocked. Um, he he <laughs> hit a hit a death jump, and you know Tendron had a higher pin, I think a four or a five. And um, I, I think he, Stu fixed that one because it was a green alien. Well, yeah, you know, we, we don't talk about that, Mike. We don't talk about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and he might have had other wins uh, against like AstroTurk or Black Hole Bart or somebody like that. But uh, um, no, I, I remember just being excited to have this guy who that that was like like Tom said in the booklet. He was the bum. He was there to to lose and, and make others look good. So uh, I can I can see why, you know, this artwork maybe not the best, but given who it's for, it, it makes sense. It doesn't have to be the best because he's not the best. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, I. You know, it, it's funny because I had a, um, a similar reaction. I remember getting that card, and of course, it was already. You know, the set was already out at the time that I started playing. Um, and 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 there was something about even reading those words that Mike mentioned earlier. You know, the Fed's first undercard bum, and I was like, I gotta have this guy for the same reason that you were saying. Yep. It's like, here's somebody that can put people over, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't necessarily have to worry about that weird upset that mutant is going to get over, mm-hmm. you know, so-and-so. And, and, and this was, you know, this was kind of nice to, to have that guy, uh, even though you did feel a little bad for him. Mm-hmm. The cool thing is, is that I loved the trajectory of the character because eventually, especially by 2109, you had a guy who could be, you know, a contender, especially for, you know, tag titles or maybe a mid-level title or something like that. And was still just kind of a cool guy to have around. Um, and yeah. I really enjoyed the, the, the character quite a bit uh, by the time we got, you know, to that era uh, for him in particular. Not that the 2099 card was, you know, terrible necessarily, but I just felt like that 2109 card was really perfect for, you know, someone who had really started off as bad as you could possibly get and reached a level that was completely respectable and 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 fit well with the other Titans at the time. Um, just, just for, for everybody out there, Sam, the, the actual bio starts, Ursa Major is the GWF's first official undercard bum. <laughs> he has hardly any hope of beating anyone. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's just all keep that in context. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, and he did, he, he I think that the, the great story of Versa major is he, he goes from being this undercard bum. That's terrible and awful and can't beat anyone other than Tendron, the destroyer and quarries fed uh, with, with the <laughs> intervention of Stu Lowry. But, but other than that, he can't beat anyone. And he becomes this then lower mid card to mid card guy, and then becomes like a tag team success story right by yeah. the end. And, and so to me, that's the, part of the neat thing about this is you get to see the transition and that he goes from this, I'll just say, not my favorite piece of art in the 2092 set from Chuck Carter, um, you know, <laughs> to a, a guy who by the end looks like a legit wrestler and you really, you know, you're rooting for the whole time. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that he's a neat character um, and he's one of the first you know, guys, Tom, you know, t- along with, you know, Pulsar, right. Who Tom took us from where they kind of stunk to, you know, when they became somebody. And um, I think that they're, you know, Pulsar got the, he went, he went from being, a, you know, sort of, he was a, an enhancement guy in the original set only because there weren't enhancement guys, right. He was like a lower mid card. What you'd consider a lower mid card to mid card guy who becomes, you know, an upper mid card guy or some major started, way lower than that and got almost, you know, almost as good as Pulsar by the end. So I I think that's, he's a a great success story. So hopefully people will appreciate where he begins so they can uh, enjoy where he winds up. 
Yeah, I, I I think that that's a great way of putting it, and and, and you know the artwork for me, it, it, it's funny. Uh, I I I liked it. I, I, I at first I was like, well, he looks a little thin, and you know, and, and then Todd was like, yeah, but he was a little too jacked in that original card. I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. And I, I like this. I, I like the idea that I'm looking at a guy who can't necessarily fill out his, his costume. Do you know what I mean? Like there's something about the artwork that makes it look like that costume is just a little too big for him. And it's like, he's not quite ready yet, which plays into the fact that, you know, yeah, he's, he's a bum, you know, he's not going to be able to, to, to hack it with the rest of the GWF. He can't even fill out his, you know, his tights. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reliving and revisiting those days, uh, at some point in time, you know, once I, once I finally get my classics fed, uh, caught up to 2087 and and then tear through the early years, but um, with the new reimagined sets, which will be fun to do because I haven't I haven't really played with them yet. Um, but anyway, uh, that's the other announcement that we had this week that I failed to mention. Uh, Todd, help me out. Any other news and notes from Fed HQ before we move on to the main event? The only other thing uh, I think uh, Dr. X was uh, sent out to everybody. I think uh, everybody here on the Zoom call got their uh, cards oh, already. Yeah. And I think everybody else should hopefully get them very soon. Uh, we got them out on Saturday, uh, you know, just uh, less than a week after the con, they're already in the mail. And so uh, definitely make sure to turn that around quickly. So hopefully everybody's enjoying those. Yeah, it's a great card. I, I love it. I mean, it was something that, you know, we got the chance to kind of talk a little bit about at the con because Mike was so nice to unlock it for people that had uh, had it online. Um, and Well, I mean, everybody that came to the con was going to get it online. Um, so it was it was nice to take a quick look. And uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's just enough of a variation, obviously, on the destroyer so that it feels it feels different. And yet it's not wildly different because he didn't necessarily wrestle that different of a style so um but it's it's a great card and it's a great addition to uh to, to legends feds for sure um there's all sorts of fun you can have with the two different personas or not you know if you just want to use one of them exclusively you can do that too so um yeah i'm i'm, I'm stoked to have it you were pointing mike <laughs> well, I, I, I thought Corey was trying to say something, so I was trying to. You know, like, I mean, I'll just say thanks, Todd, for getting these out so fast. It's just so cool to have them, and um, I really love how the artwork turned out and color and everything. You know, this was a card we had it in that original online promoter, but I know a lot of promoters were not around or didn't didn't get that. Uh, so to kind of have a you know quote unquote official version of Doctor X is really cool coming from AWA territory. Uh, this is really cool, and I don't know if it was explained on the con since I couldn't be there, but. I just want to quickly explain the the foreign object mechanic um, from some of the the sources we looked at. There's not, a, I mean, there's about three or four maybe Doctor X video matches out there, um, so we had to go off a lot of results, a few photos. Um, but the foreign object, it said that he either used just like a foreign object in the hand or in his mask, so you can kind of do that, you know, up to you promoter type of situation if you end up using that mechanic. Um, Nice. Or he could be loading up the mask or loading up a glove or something like that. So that was just one little thing we tried to do to have him stand apart from the destroyer. Like, like Sam said, I, and I've heard different things, you know, I've heard that he did change up his style. Um, but I've never heard the specifics as to how, <laughs> so yeah. from the, from the footage I've seen, you know, you can tell that's Dick Byer destroyer. Um, so yeah, but, but it's, I'm glad, I'm glad we could get kind of an official card, uh, of Dr. X. Nice. And, and to your point, Corey, about you know Todd getting it out fast, um, 
I think it was within 24 hours of him getting it, they were out the door. So awesome. people need yes. to know that like Todd, <laughs> amazing, like is that's amazing. awesome, Todd. Like, Seriously, just, that's that is. Just, you know, I mean, I know this is the official podcast, and you're an official guy, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pat you on the back for this. Yes, one, it, that was that was I, you know really good. I yes. did have an assist uh, from my 11 year old on that uh, who. Um, well, if you notice, there may be some that have a little extra tape on the envelope there. That's, uh, <laughs> I think, from, from him doing that. But I did check. I did do a quality check. And it looked like it, you know, everybody did get the, both the card and the sticker in there. So he didn't miss anything there. But, uh, but, but he better a little get, extra tape. Yeah, I a little, little extra not tape enough. on some of them, though. But, he, yeah, he, he, he earned three Pokemon packs. Let uh, <laughs> me do that. And nice. he, pull, he pulled a Arceus V max which apparently is like a 150 dollar card or something like that i don't know so he was very excited about that so but you know he he wanted to to do that so luckily we were able to get it out really quick and and whatnot next thing you know he's gonna be wearing it on a chain around his neck i know right (laughs) you know if if barry's collecting pokemon that might be a 500 hundred dollar card so you just you might want to check in on that i I did ask barry if if he's into pokemon because yeah i'm looking for and I'll, i'll put the call out there right now if anybody's a Pokemon Go player and you want to be, uh, you don't want to do some trades with me at Galacticon, let me know now so we can build up our friendship. So I'll just put that out there right now. I know there's a couple of you out there, a couple of you crazy people like me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, in, in addition to uh, the cards, uh, uh, I also got my my haul for the uh, the auction, um, which I just, you know, I, I I just threw in a bid for the magazines. Figured, you know, the the heck with it. And uh, I got to admit, this this wrestling's main event magazine actually turned out to be really really cool. There's some great uh, stuff from 1992 in here. Um, they've got all sorts of like. Uh, like an editorial wrestler of the year poll. They've got a fans vote wrestler of the year. They've got a writer's vote. So it's kind of neat to see the way that it, that it falls for all of them. And, and the funny thing is, is that it doesn't feel quite as kayfabe as some of the other magazines of its time. Mm-hmm. Like it's it certainly when talking about, you know, what's going on in each promotion, it adheres to like the storylines or whatever, but there's a lot of sort of, uh, some interesting bits and pieces like like talking about WCW, for instance, and talking about how the people in charge don't necessarily know what they're doing. And, and, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, so it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, uh, little magazine. And then of course the, you know, the wow magazines, I feel like I actually probably had both of those because I was buying them at the time that they were coming out. But, um, so I was happy to, you know, to, to, to get a, a couple old magazines to, to peruse. Um, occurs to me that the that the wrestling main event one is 30 years old like mm-hmm. it's april of 2022 and mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway yep. all right uh well enough of all of that let's get to our main event uh i don't want to waste any more time i want to talk to Corey. uh we've been wanting to do this for a while uh we had a lot of um uh uh you know, thought that kind of went into what we wanted to talk about. And when Todd and I first started talking about, you know, uh, guests for this, for this, you know, particular round, actually, I think it was even the last round of, of, of planning and scheduling, uh, Corey's name came up. And one of the things that I wanted to do, uh, in particular was have kind of maybe like a, a booking round table and talk about like the way that promoters book their feds. And I thought Corey would be a perfect example because of the USWA, um, and then recently on uncharted territory, uh, they of course kind of covered the, the genesis of the USWA and, and some of what, what Corey does. So I felt like it would be, you know, perfect 
chance to complement some of that with some of the questions you know that, that I had hoped to, to ask uh, um, you know kind of from from the get-go so uh, so we're looking forward to doing that um, and Corey I just want to say again thank you so much for for taking the time to join us because obviously mm-hmm. I know what it's like to to you know to do a two or three podcasts a week sometimes so uh, uh, it's it's you know it's definitely it takes a hit to your to your schedule to your free time so thank you so much for joining us Oh, thanks for having me. And like I said, apologize for all the rescheduling and waiting to do this. I think Todd originally contacted me in February, which is right in the middle of wrestling coaching season. And I just said, no, I'm sorry. I just can't <laughs> fathom trying to put that on the schedule during, during wrestling season. So appreciate the patience and, and flexibility. And um, this is, I realize this is my, my first time on roll up. I, I was on King of pro wrestling a few times, but I've never never been an official guest on, on Roll Up, so thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe now we can officially say that we have had every member of Uncharted Territory on mm-hmm. the podcast. Yeah, uh, pretty much all in the last month, too. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's our mission to eventually have all four of you on at once. Um, you know, and, we're, we're, we're hoping there are frequent flyer miles you know, that we can you know, cash in at some point. <laughs> um, you know, galaxies will collide. Crisis yep. on Infinite podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right off the bat, you know, I, I, I've I think I've mentioned this before, and I've certainly I know said it to you, but um, you know, one of my favorite feds to follow on the boards, and and this goes back you know, a number of years, this isn't even just recently, uh, has been your USWA. I've always appreciated kind of the, the verisimilitude, the work that you put into the write-ups, um, the idea that, you know, you've got your big shows and then you've got your television shows and you don't necessarily like do a match by match rundown like you do for your big shows. It's, it's Mm -hmm. often just kind of like talking about like the things that are happening, building up to the big shows, which I think is, you know, great and unique. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, with that kind of said and out of the way, I, I've had a lot of questions that I've wanted to ask for a while now. Um, and uh, the one that I just want to kick things off with is what are some of your methods for building new talent? Like when you bring a new wrestler in, um, you know, do you see a spot that you want to put them in right away? Do you kind of feel it out with, you know, putting them in some undercard matches to see how they go? You know, what's your, what's your method for, for kind of figuring out maybe where they land and building them up to where you'd like them to be on the card? That's a great question. First of all, thank you for those kind compliments, Sam. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. You know, typically when I uh, want to bring in somebody new, I have some kind of, hopeful plan for them as far as, you know, are they going to feud with so-and-so who's already an established star? Um, you know, once in a while, if it's kind of a lower to mid card talent, I'm just going to kind of feel them out, see how they do. You know, I'll try, I'll use an example. Um, well, Nacho Barrera, um, he, I just recently, um, debuted him in my USWA and I'm a little bit behind where I'm posting and where I've actually played, um, so as, as we speak, um, he's on the discussion board, he's just about to debut, uh, but he's had about, I think about 10 matches now, and he actually has a winning record. <laughs> um, and, and because I'm matching him up against, you know, Jake Millman, Kenny J, <laughs> Mr. X, these kind of guys with the hope, and it's never a guarantee, of course, because they're the same level, but with the hope that he can beat these guys and, and he's, yeah. he's, you know, he's even gotten a few fatigue tokens on him and, um, and come back and win the match. So, How? you know, a, a guy like that is just kind of, well, I realize long-term Nacho's not going to have that winning record. So I'm going to roll with this as much as I can. You know, if he earns a, a mid America title shot, let's go with that. Um, 
but then, and then, you know, then it's just kind of a, a general, well, then we just see where he fits on the card at that point. He's going to be probably putting more guys over than he's beating. Right. Um, you know, somebody else, uh, another guy that I use is Eric cannon. Um, just being kind of a local Minnesota guy. He was, I've, I've met him a few times. Um, got his original legends of the future card signed in Des Moines at a, at a three XW card. Um, you know, maybe not a guy I would have initially ever thought to use, but having met him, you kind of make that personal connection, see what a cool guy he is. Absolutely. It's like, okay, I can find a spot for this guy. <laughs> um, you know, so I brought him in and I was using Claudio Castagnoli at the time and just had the backstory that those guys had teamed along with Chris Hero and broken up at some point. So now here's Cannon, you know, coming for revenge and, and built up a little win streak um, and built up to a match with Claudio. Uh, he won that first match, I believe. Um, but then Claudio kind of ended up winning the series and everything. And, um, and I still, Cannon's still in my fed, you know, not pushed a lot, but he's, um, I wouldn't, you know, we use the term bum. He's definitely not a bum. He can pull <laughs> off upsets and has pull off up, pulled off upsets against higher ranked or higher status guys. Uh, but he's a guy that somebody else knew if he comes in and beats Cannon and, and they have a competitive match, that's a pretty big deal for this new guy. Mm. Um, so it's just kind of a cycle almost, you know, depending on, how high the guys are statted. Um, somebody like Harley race who I just debuted his color card. He, he had been in my fed initially, obviously with the black and white days um, had not used him since 2006 and uh, just brought it with the color card. I really wanted to play it out since that was one of those color cards from that 24 set. That was really, really had a lot of changes to it. And I really wanted to see how that played out for him. You know, he had the death jump mechanic where he could do the headbutt. And now having double finishers, I just really wanted to see how, how he could do. He did well for me in the black and white days, but never as dominant as Bachwinkle. And so now it's I just, okay, let's kind of give him his, his second chance here. And he's 24 and 0 right now. Wow. Um, and without jumping ahead too far in my results, I will say that he just won the world title. And, um, and I'm interested to see now I've got him managed by Jimmy Hart. So that's going to be an extra, you know, a little strength with the, distractor rating and the interference charts and all of that. Yeah. Um, but with race, you know, I wasn't matching him up right away against um, the top guys in my fed, like a Jimmy Valiant or Eddie Gilbert or Kevin Sullivan, not right away. You know, he was, it was a slow build. He was wrestling the guys like George South and Kenny J and, and Eric Cannon and Jim powers to get those wins. And then, yeah. you know, then kind of coming up against Steve Williams and Terry Gordy, you know, just kind of almost a ladder, a progression of guys, in the fed. Um, and obviously you never know what the dice, you know, somebody could screw it up. Uh, but my hope was that let's keep building him, getting him wins. And, uh, and hopefully he'll get his, his earn a, earn a world title shot undefeated. I, I haven't had a lot of guys win a title undefeated. There's been a few, not many, but usually there's, you know, even if that's my plan to build up all these wins to a title shot, it, the dice are going to screw it up. <laughs> sure. And <laughs> we all know what that's like. Yeah. Um, did, but did that, Kenny J and Jake Milliman ever beat the Rock and Roll Express in your fed? No, I, I know they did in yours, but um, they did. <laughs> they have gotten wins. They have gotten wins, but I think I think they beat. I think their biggest win. I mm, I got to double check this now. I they might have beaten Doring and Roadkill, um, but that's about as as tough as so far. As, so okay, far. so they never won the title in your fed. Not is what not, you're saying. not yet. Not yet. Okay. Okay. I just there's wanted always, to make sure. There's always. It's, a I guess chance. it's just me. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> 
Um, you know, the, it's funny because uh, a I have a personal question, not a, not a mm-hmm. personal question, but a question you know that personally you know jumped into my mind as you were talking about Harley Race in particular, uh, but also a question that I had planned to ask you that I feel like is a perfect time. So uh, I'll go ahead and go with my personal question first, and then make the awkward segue into the other one. Uh, <laughs> and, and that is, you know, when I brought in Bob Backlund um, into my Fed recently, uh, you know, I was taking basically the same road that you were taking with like Harley Race. And uh, when Johnny Valentine won the world title, uh, he was also my um, Central States champion. So Mm -hmm. I had to vacate that belt and held a tournament uh, for the title. And I, you know, I kind of, I was like, do I want to put Backlund in this tournament? Do I not want to put Backlund in this tournament? He's, you know, he's picked up wins over like, you know, five or six guys now. I think why not? I'll put him in the tournament. And he ended up losing a match to Bobo Brazil. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, well, you know, now I'm questioning if I should have put him at the tournament at all. <laughs> you know, what do I do? You know, is this, is, is this really, uh, you know, a derailment or is there something that I can do um, to, you know, to kind of get him back on track? And I know what I ended up doing, but I am curious, you know, for you, if you had something like that happen, what do you think you would have done um, with Backland after that? And that's a great question. And I, I'm sure... Yeah, as I think back, I can think of times like that um, where that's happened, and it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, sometimes I'll write it up, especially if it's a a babyface losing to a heel that you really don't expect to beat. Um, when I first brought in Ed Strangler Lewis years ago, I was planning a huge push for him, being from Louisville, um, and one of his early losses was to Justin Incredible. <laughs> So, okay. Well, you know, Justin incredible has got the Singapore cane. We'll say he used the cane, which he may have even been part of the finish. I don't remember, but then it just kind of led to this little, you know, not a feud so much, but just they did meet up throughout the year and Lewis would get his wins back, you know, and by, by the time they had their last match, it was pretty decisive. Yeah. Um, no, not to, not to blow off what Justin achieved, but this was kind of like, okay, he's going to get his wins back. He's going to get back on track. Um, I kind of wrote it up as Lewis being a technician and, you know, an old school wrestler was not used to guys bringing weapons into the ring. <laughs> and uh, and he just had to get used to that in the USWA with the wild action and everything. And once he did, he could kind of out-wrestle these brawlers and show them that that he doesn't need weapons. And, like, you know, kind of played it up like that, try to work. And that's where the, when I do my TV write-ups, I try to, work those things into the, into the story or, or even the match results that um, again, not to, not to totally discredit those upset losses, but, or upset wins, but you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, just incredible beat Ed Lewis, but then is he going to lose to Coco Ware on the next card? You know, that you just right. never know. That's, that's the heart with the, the guys of that level. It's hard to keep their momentum going. Um, you know, I, I, if I have a, a good plan and as long as, that that guy I'm pushing, if we want to say, if he can get some wins back and kind of get back on track with a, a decent record, I, I try to try to play things out. Um, I'll say right now I'm at the beginning of game year 2018, and as I said, Harley Race first card of the year won the won the world title. Um, I've got somebody I'm um, bringing in in the next few game months. That if things work out record wise, I'd love to have him. And if race is still champion at the end of the year, I'd love to have them in the main event at new year's knockout 2018. Um, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of cards to play between now and then, but you know, if, if, if it's a, if it's reasonable, you know, if there's a good storyline, if there's some good matchups, um, I'd, I'd, I'd still play it out. Even if there's a loss here or there, you can kind of rebound from those losses once in a while and, and learn from them. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Sam, Sam, did, did, yeah, did we right. fix, did we fix your booking problem here? <laughs> no, <laughs> I just want to, I, I just want to know because like, you know, what, what Corey basically said is you can kind of, you know, I mean, he lost to Bobo Brazil first off. It's not right. like he lost to, to like Nacho. Right. right. Okay. So, <laughs> right. so, so he lost to Bobo. So what you can do now is have him go on a little, another win streak and then he can rebuild his credibility and you're good. I think that's what Corey was saying is you're going to be good. Yeah. It's okay. You know, <laughs> funny enough, fine. What, what I ended up actually doing is it, it, it actually played out really well. Cause Bobo, you know, has, has been kind of one of the most popular baby faces in, in my territory since, since day one. And, and the funny thing is, is that he's been embroiled in some, some pretty heavy duty feuds. So he never really targeted belts very seriously before, but then when he's in this tournament and, and, you know, and he, he beats backland, I was just sort of like, okay, this is great because for the fans, they're looking at this as like their, you know, their big favorite from the territory has, you know, has gone through all this hell with Buddy Rod and Killer Kowalski and kind of come out the other side of it. And now he gets this win over Backlund. He goes on to win the tournament. It's like, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is of course, Buddy Rogers immediately takes issue with Bobo winning the tournament and now wants to, you know, to get back at him. And he brings all of his goons after him. And so who's going to save the day? Bob Backlund comes to save the day. And so yeah. it's kind of, it was like a perfect opportunity to just be like, all right, so, you know, Backlund doesn't really lose mm-hmm. in this scenario. It's just, you know, it, it, it helps both of them at the end of the day. Um, but I, but I, I, I love what you're saying, Corey, because one of the things that I've noticed, and this has happened, I think, honestly, more in my GWF probably than even in my Legends stuff because with the Legends stuff, you know the the wins and losses in those terms don't bother me quite as much. There are certainly times when it's just sort of like, oh no, I can't believe you know the spoiler just beat Ricky Dozan. What do I do? And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. it's actually not. It's it, it'll be okay. But yeah. um, but in the GWF, there have definitely been times where there have been certain upsets, especially with titles on the line, where it's kind of like, well do I get behind the guy who got the upset win or do I just, you know, get thing, you know, kind of do a course correction for the guy that lost and figure it out from there. Um, and I think that you can do, you know, either one is valid. You know, it just, it just might be that the guy who got the upset win isn't going to get much mileage out of it. You know, you're going to, you're going right. to get, you know, kind of a short term bump out of this. Whereas the other person that got, you know, the upset loss, if, if you, you know, reorient them long-term, they're probably going to do better. So, mm-hmm. but I, but I always, I, I'm always fascinated by that. And, and it kind of, you know, speaking of upsets, it, it does sort of lead to the other question that I wanted to ask um, that you'd already sort of touched on a little bit is that I, I, I find, you know, when looking at your USW, you have a wonderful way of utilizing lower card talent, some of the enhancement talent mm-hmm. even, and turning them into interesting acts, even building momentum for them towards feuds and title shots. Um, so I'm curious about like your methods and, and philosophy behind that. You know, it's, it's, it just kind of, I'd say, you know, you talk about Bobo Brazil being popular in your territory. Um, I think certain guys, it just kind of happens without a plan, you know, it just, yeah. so-and-so has a good match. Uh, Jimmy Valiant, you know, he's been a huge star in my fed. Sure. Um, when I brought him in as the boogie woogie man, you know, I did the Valiant brothers team initially, and then he left for a couple of years and came back as the boogie woogie man. And he's been, been in the fed ever since. And wasn't a guy necessarily I was thinking of, you know, doing a big push with, but just, you know, I love the boogie woogie man and given his connections in real life to Memphis, I figured, Oh, he's got it. He's got to stick around here. And, and just the fact he'd have great matches, even if he lost, um, he just, I, I saw him getting over with the fans, even in losing, you know, maybe yeah. it was, he had the win and the manager distractor rating or interference turned things around for the heel. Um, you know, but so fans are still going to support him because they know, he got cheated out of that win. Yeah. 
Um, so sometimes it's, it's just something like that where a guy just kind of, I, I picture him being popular, whether he's got belts or not, even if his win loss record for the year, isn't the best. Um, there are certain guys that the fans will, will always support. Um, Brian Danielson has kind of been like that for me at times lately. He's been on a, a more of a winning streak, but at t- certain times he'll, he'll kind of get some rough streaks where he doesn't, uh, isn't winning as much, but the fans always support him because they know what a good fighter he is and what a tough competitor he is. Um, and, and some of the guys who are more statted lower, like you say, um, the, the more designed to be lower in mid card. I don't know. It just, like I say, it just kind of, um, just kind of works out sometimes with the dice rolls. Um, I yeah. put together Virgil and SD Jones this yes, past year with, I was, that's <laughs> yeah. one of the teams I was thinking about specifically. Yeah. 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 And, and that wasn't, that was just, you know, kind of uh, just to kind of shake things up on the lower card end of things um, with Virgil's time again in Memphis as soul train Jones. I wanted to pay homage to that and um, just thought, well, let's, let's just do this. I'd thought about doing it for a while and just felt like a good time to do it. Um, Virgil had been teaming with Johnny rods but then I kind of switched alliances that rods teamed up with Larry sharp because that was a real life team. And, uh, just, you know, like I said, just decided to do that, make him soul train and wasn't expecting much out of SD and ST, but uh, they pulled off some upsets, got a tag team title shot main event. And yeah, that's, that was just one that just really surprised me. Um, yeah. wasn't, was not expecting that, you know, some of the, some of the wins were against kind of lower card talent. Um, but they even got wins over established teams too. And that was just really cool to see that. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the, you know, the, the transformation of Virgil into soul train Jones. I, I thought <laughs> that you. that was, I, I, I seriously, I thought it was written very well. And Thank it you. was one of those things where, you know, like I, as I was reading it, you, you know, it was, just, I, it was easy for me to get behind it and just be like, this is cool. I wish I had that idea. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah. And, and again, I mean, even like with, with Jake Milliman and, and um, Kenny J, you know, some of the stuff mm-hmm. that you, you, you've done with them, it, it, you know, just to see that, I think part of the creativity of the game is being able to take some of these people and imagine the connection that they'll have with a crowd. Imagine a yeah. connection that they'll have with the city that you might be in, you know, for that mm-hmm. particular card. And and it just, you know, it's one of those ways of kind of enhancing it. And it's an intangible. It's not say there's not a chart for that. I'm well, right. Okay. There are charts for that, but it's not like <laughs> there's not like a chart. It's not in the in the ringside companion. You nope, know what I mean? Nope. Like, <laughs> and so and so I think that 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 part of, of the game. Um, um, is always a lot of fun for me. And I know that it's something that you know, even going back to my, my early days of my GWF, there were, you know, times when certainly it's like, you know, if, if, if we're anywhere near Saturn, the, the Titans are getting a huge pop, you know, even mm-hmm. bigger than they normally yeah. would be. And they're, you know, they're probably going to be featured in the main event. And, and so I, I think, you know, being able to do that same thing with legends is, is also important. And, and I love seeing that more and more people, um, you know, have taken the, you know, the territorial route, the regional territory yeah. route. Um, because I do feel that, you know, when legends first kind of came out, a lot of people were sort of just taking that, you know, global legends yeah. wrestling federation, which is great. I mean, there's nothing to get right. that, but I, but I do love the idea that as a territory, you might have, I don't know. You might have some more opportunities to kind of do. It's like, well, we're you know we're hitting some of these small towns in the territory, and yeah. they have an affinity for this guy or that guy. So, right. um, I, I I really enjoy that. While I, while yeah. I, you know, while I tee up my next question here, uh, Todd, uh, you've been awfully quiet. Anything that you want to ask? Well, yeah, I you know you talked a little bit about like the transition from Virgil to Soul Train Jones, and I remember you mentioning on the podcast before about you know uh, having the. Um, 
the, the Jimmy Valiant kind of take time off then come back as the boogie woogie man mm-hmm. there. Is there any other kind of favorite transitions and, and what do you kind of look for when you want to transition somebody within your fed? Yeah. Great question. Um, well, I guess, you know, off the top of my head, since you mentioned Jimmy Valiant, um, you know, when the Valiant brothers left the territory, um, I kind of, and when J- Jimmy came back first about two years after that, and just kind of played into the story that he'd become a good guy, you know, grown out the beard and fun loving. Um, and then about a year or two, probably think about two years after that, I brought in Johnny more as a manager um, to manage the dream team against Valiant and Jimmy Snuka. And it was just kind of this Johnny Valiant. Okay. Why is he managing? Um, you know, he was a, he was a tag team wrestler and talking about upsets. He had a lot of singles upsets in my fed, that original card where he's got the two tag moves on level three offense. If you're doing kind of the, the original rule and re-rolling on level three, he's going to hit that zero spinning neck breaker a lot, which is right. why we've kind of liked in legends, the havoc rule, as we call it, or, you know, rolling up to the, the, the lower level of offense in those situations, but don't, don't want to get off topic too much, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of like, okay, why, you know, if he, USWA fans know him as this very competent wrestler from the past, why all of a sudden is he managing? And um, I put in a storyline that he got injured. I think, I think I said he got injured by Andre um, in like a WWF card or something. And then eventually that worked out because Andre came into team with Snooka and Valiant against the dream team and Johnny. Um, but, but there was just this, the storyline of, well, Johnny's injured. He can't wrestle full time. So if he can't wrestle, he's going to manage somebody. And he's embarrassed by his brother, Jimmy. Uh, you know, he's got this big beard. He looks like a goof. Um, I think he, one of my write-ups, I even said he came to Thanksgiving dinner and was getting his beard in gravy and all this. And, and you know, just little, little goofball things like that. And, uh, and, and Johnny, and I even mentioned Jerry Valiant, you know, even though he's not in the game, but just to tie that in and just said the, the other two Valiant brothers were embarrassed by, by Boogie Woogie Jimmy and, and they were out for revenge. And so this is one of the few times so far that I've done brothers or, or family members feuding against each other. I've never done that with anybody else. Of course, in this case, they're not, you know, not, not really related breaking kayfabe. Uh, but you know, that, that was just, that's one given their, their later personas in, in real life wrestling, I could see Jimmy Valiant going up against Johnny Valiant, um, you know, almost kind of like Johnny Valiant taking the role of Paul Jones and the Paul Jones army, sending people against Jimmy Valiant, trying to destroy this boogie woogie man. And that was, that was, you know, that, so that's one example where I kind of gave some, a little bit of a transition to that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there've been others. Um, well, t- talking about Dr. X, um, that's been a really long-term storyline. It wasn't intended to be, but it just kind of played out that way where the destroyer challenged Luthez for the world title at 2013, I believe new, new year's knockout. He'd won a tournament to get this shot and Lou defeated him. And then Destroyer kind of disappeared for a couple of weeks, but all of a sudden this Dr. X, you know, this, this masked man in a suit showed up in the crowd at various events and then eventually came out and attacked Lou after one of Lou's title defenses. And, um, you know, it was event. I was going to have Lou probably take the mask from him, but it just, you know, Lou, Lou kind of won the matches pretty soundly. And it was like, well, can I keep giving Dr. X title matches if he loses, you know, so, so handily, um, so then eventually Lou left the territory after losing the belt to Rick rude, but Dr. X just kind of stuck around because he just found some other good feuds and alliances. Um, I played into Billy red lions, who is his real life brother-in-law knowing the true identity of Dr. X being one of the few people who knows it 
um, but never really saying why, you know, it was almost kind of a little, a little behind the scenes kind of thing hinted at, um, you know, now they're, they've since broken up and they're feuding, but uh, that, that's, that's another one too, where it was, I, I wanted there to kind of be, even though, even though the full story hasn't come out, the Dr. X is the same guy. Um, spoiler alert, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but that, that's one, you know, probably long-term, of course, now that I've got this nice new color card, it's, I don't, I don't want to get rid of Dr. <laughs> X quite yet. Uh, but, but eventually I do want to use the destroyer's color card. I haven't used that yet. And so build up to something, whether it's Lou returning and being the one that unmasked him because he was Dr. X's original target or, or whatever that is, but that's, that'll be a really long-term storyline that plays out that all the way back in 2014, destroyer changed his his gimmick to uh um to try to win the world title from fez well and, and you did if i remember correctly you had billy red lions as billy black lions Was that, well, yeah yeah you know like when he turned bad when he went bad right yeah and that, that, another neat little thing you i thought you did with your transitions that sam was asking about earlier so oh, yeah with, like these neat little things for guys yeah like that where it's it's not something necessarily they did in real life yeah but you gave it the it, it's not out of character, right? Sure. If he was going to make a heel turn, that's a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah. And actually, and even before that, you know, I brought Billy back as double X and there wasn't a, a real double X that was his partner in the AWA. It wasn't, wasn't Billy red. Um, but again, knowing the real life uh, connection between these two, um, you know, when I first heard about double X, it was through a, a George Shire, who's a local Minnesota AWA historian. He's written many books on the AWA. I've met him several times. Um, one of his books talked about double X. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And you know, who could, who could be double X in the USWA? And just thought, well, Billy Red's his brother-in-law. Um, so that, and Billy Red hadn't been around in a long time. So I thought, let's do that. You know, he's obviously his card is more of a, a scientific baby face, but I thought, you know, these, some of these moves could be just tweaked a bit to reflect a more scientific heel. He doesn't have to be a, a, a total rule breaker and, you know, hitting with chairs and foreign objects but he could be a heel and you know, he's just, I'm, I'm better than you. I'm a better wrestler. And, and I'm with this other guy who's a great wrestler and you don't know who we are. We're under masks. Um, but yeah, when, when double X lost the mask to former partner, red Bastine, that was just, I thought, well, I, I, I didn't want him to turn baby face yet. He, he since has, but I thought, well, would he, would he stay Billy red lions? And I just imagined he kind of was a, like a blackjack. He dyed his hair black and his mustache <laughs> black. And you know, he's got to go with the, 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 the the black singlet like he wore as double X. Uh, so I'm like, well, he should be Billy black lions if he's going <laughs> to keep this image for a while. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. It, you know, it, it's funny because uh, your brother and I actually recently had a conversation about uh, similar to the notion of, you know, sometimes it, this idea that we need to have separate cards for like a baby face version of a guy or a heel you know, right. or whatever, you know, that's not always the case because so right. often, especially, especially with, you know, the legends of wrestling, what these guys did didn't change. It was yeah. how they did it. Right. And I think that that's kind of the key. It's like, you know, we've got so many guys and, 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 and sure, there are certain cards like this Dr. X card even, or, you know, the Roddy Piper card recently where you've, you know, you've got the option of like, if they're wrestling as a heel, they might try this move or, or, mm -hmm. or whatever, which is great. But there are plenty of guys that we have that, you know, yeah, it really is just, it's all about the creativity, the imagination. It's up to you, promoter, how you want to use them. Right. Um, so I, I think it's always kind of important to remember that, especially as, you know, the opportunities arise to add new guys to the game. 
you know, they might not necessarily look exactly how you expect them to look art wise. But the truth of the matter is, is that stat wise, like they could go either way. You know, there are certainly certain guys that I think of maybe wrestled a certain style at a certain time in their career or a certain character. Um, But but overall, yeah, I think that there are, you know, the the vast majority of folks, unless it was legitimately a different character, um, you know, you're able to kind of just tweak that on your own like you like you've done which i think is is, is really great and uh and, and very creative um so going to uh some of the feuds and and um you know storylines that you've had one thing that i notice and you kind of have already touched on this is it seems like sometimes that the wins and losses while certainly important for like the title scene don't mm-hmm. always matter as much when it comes to the stories and the feuds that you're playing out and, and it's almost as though you know you've kind of programmed a, a, an arc, if not necessarily a winner and a loser. So I'm curious, you know, a, is that actually the case? And B, you know, how do you go about doing that? Is it a length of time that you say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, have these, these two teams feud and maybe it develops organically, but then you get to a point where you say, all right, I'm going to give them the next three months to see what happens. Um, or, or does it tend to just kind of stay organic and, and you kind of feel it out as you go along? Yes. No, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, I'd say with a lot of my bigger feuds that I plan to do, I kind of have a a timeframe in mind. Um, I think I've shared this, this Google sheet or Excel sheet before, and this comes from Tim originally. Um, When I book my game year, I book out all my cards as far as, you know, when they're taking place, you know, this card, this number card is going to be at this arena. Um, just to kind of have a schedule. I just kind of need that, um, especially with doing a territory and kind of making sure I've got my six main cities and then some kind of, um, you know, next level cities and then some of the smaller, you know, if you want to call them spot show towns. And I just want to try to make sure that I get as even distribution as I can with those major cities. It doesn't doesn't always work perfectly. And um, certain things like, you know, milestone cards, those will always be in Memphis because I do say Memphis is the, the, the home base for the whole promotion. Uh, but as far as the, what I'll do is on that sheet is I'll say, okay, if this team is coming in, you know, on card 530 and they're coming in because they're targeting, you know, babyface team a, um, you know, maybe in, in five or six cards, they'll have their first matchup because the new team's going to get some wins, hopefully, hopefully, right. <laughs> and, and kind of get, get established, you know, wrestle those lower teams and, and maybe one little bit higher team in the middle there just to get a little more credibility. Um, but then they, they wrestle that, that uh, that feuding team, whether that's on a super card or just a bigger card. And, you know, maybe I'll have, maybe I'll say, okay, if they're coming in in January, we're going to wrestle, we're going to feud this the whole calendar year and, and blow it off in December at New Year's knockout. Um, the thing that often messes that up is injuries. Um, you know, if some, somebody gets a 12 card injury and that's a good <laughs> chunk of my card. That, that's four game months for me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to just end it with an injury, you know, that can add to the feud sometimes. And sometimes it's just a pain in the butt to book around it. Um, so then, then, you know, that might spill over into the next game year. Uh, in some cases, if I find the first matchups in those feuds are getting very one-sided for one team or one wrestler, I'll kind of say, okay, this isn't going to last that long. We're going to cut this a little bit short. We'll do the blow off here and then bring in somebody else to feud with this, the, the, the team or the wrestler that's doing better. Um, Often I might have an angle in mind for the blow off, whether it's a stip match or um, somebody is going to switch sides, heel baby face in the end of it. 
Um, you know, I kind of have in mind how what's going to happen next. But of course, you know, dice can change that. So sure. um, with, with some of the feuds, you know, especially if I'm doing a loser leave town stipulation, um, I may have one wrestler I'm pulling for in that feud, but I, I'm not going to rig it in his favor. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to have a plan A and a plan B in that case. Um, you know, on our, on our, on our USWA show, Stu was asking what, it, what would have happened if the destroyer lost his mask. And <laughs> I, I, I don't remember, but, but I did have a plan if that happened, you know, if, if Borges George beat him, I was, I, I did have a backup plan. So, um, you know, I try to be flexible with it, but I, I, I just like to plan, you know, I, I don't like to just book card to card. Um, although sometimes with some of the lower card matches, you kind of have to do that. Or if an injury occurs, uh, but I just like to have something in place to see where, where we're going, kind of have a direction. This is why this guy's even here. I don't want to just bring in a guy, especially a stronger card, um, like a Bob Backlund or a Jack Briscoe. Yeah. You know, I have I, Randy Savage. I think um, Mike or Todd mentioned his name earlier for their feds. I haven't used Randy Savage yet. Um, I want to definitely with the tie-ins to Memphis, but I want to have the right feud storyline, the right timing in place for him. Yeah. Um I've used, I've used Angelo and Lanny on as um, when the USWA does kind of co promotion cards with big time wrestling out of Detroit, but I haven't used Randy um, just cause I want, I want him to be, he's going to get a big push whenever he does come in and that could be in the next game year. Um, but I, like I said, I just, I want it to be something big. I want to make sure it's the right time. I want to make sure I can build him up as best as I can with the dice. Sure. And uh, just make sure everything's in place. I don't want a, a talent like that and a big name like that. I don't want to just risk, you know, losing to Nacho Barrera and Jake Milman. No offense to those guys. But, <laughs> right. But, mm-hmm. I, no, I completely understand that. There are certain guys that you want to bring in and you want them to feel special, you know. And sometimes, sure. and sometimes, you know, it's like Jack Briscoe is one of those guys that unfortunately – um, I, you know, just didn't necessarily perform exactly how I wanted him to, um, mm-hmm. you know, I brought him in with Jerry. They, they had a feud with the Tolos brothers and I, you know, I put him in some singles matches and John Tolos like beat him at one point, And I was just yeah. sort of like, this isn't necessarily the way that I want to do this. So I actually just kind of slowly like let them go off someplace else. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll bring him back at some point when I feel like, you know, the, the, the landscape is ready for him because I think right. that there's no doubt that I can, you know, that get a lot of mileage out of him, but I just didn't feel like now was the time. And, and, uh, you know, there are plenty of guys that I haven't, you know, that I haven't brought in yet that I'm looking forward to bringing in. Um, mm-hmm. and Savage is one of them. So yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. Mike? Well, well, we were talking about Savage before we went on and, and, you know, for me, Savage was a baby face. Cause I, I, mm-hmm. you know, as I, think I've discussed on the podcast before my my fed is I I restarted my legends fed with color cards only so when like the original uh, set came out I started a new fed so it's you know I needed savage as a baby face so mm-hmm. he, and he was that and he was a mainstay and my my fed hasn't had a lot of flips yet like I'm waiting for like that first big flip to be meaningful and it just, I haven't come to that moment and savage was supposed to be the guy actually I was going to flip him heel and have it be mm-hmm. the you know, the big thing. And the problem was Buddy Rogers just refuses to move away from the world title. <laughs> so there's no, there's no like established baby face who Savage can turn on. Right. So I actually just had Savage leave the territory because I didn't want him to be hanging around, like not in that major role. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, Corey, like, right. You, you, right. You, and, and that's the really tough part. It's not, it's not necessarily when the dice don't cooperate with the guy. Cause Savage had a great record for me, mm-hmm. but, but when, you have these plans to turn a guy heel and then, you know, 
that compelling event to make him a heel doesn't ever come to fruition, mm-hmm. right? You know, like his allies all stink. Well, what am yeah. I going to do? I mean, I guess I could turn him heel on them, but then he's got to face the heel champ who's, you know, that doesn't really make sense to turn him heel and then have him face a heel champion. Right, right. Yeah, and I've had ones like that too where it's not necessarily the guy's losing so much, but you kind of come to a point where, if he can't get the main belt, you know, Jim Londos um, had a great run for me, um, you know, built up a good record, r- wrestled Rick Rude for the belt at New Year's knockout, lost the account out. And, you know, I kind of did a little screw job ending there with Jimmy Hart involved um, to lead to a title rematch, but then Rude won the rematch. And, <laughs> um, and it's like, okay, well, Londos has got a winning record here and only a couple losses. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'll put him against a couple other opponents, see how that goes. But my thought was, well, if he loses to somebody else, especially maybe somebody who's not statted as strongly, you know, I don't want him to just start jobbing out, you know, I'll do one job before he leaves and he lost to mad dog Vashon, you know, which you know, compare the cards, you maybe not don't expect that. Um, but it made sense because mad dog was kind of on the way up a little bit for singles. So that was just kind of the decision. Okay. Time to go. You know, he'll be, he'll be back at some point. Uh, and that was cause that was with his black and white card. Um, but it'll, he'll come back in the color card eventually when the time's right. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that he was losing too many matches. It's just, I don't want him to lose too many matches and, and kind of tarnish that record. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's funny too, because then I feel like that there are other guys that sometimes it, it, they can suffer those losses and weather those losses a little bit better just because they might have, you know, an interesting personality or story behind them or something, you know, absolutely. Like, um, two, two of my guys right now that are my favorites, uh, one guy who doesn't win a lot, uh, but I love having him there almost kind of as a gatekeeper to, to move up to the next level is Bobby Shane. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, I just love the character. I, you know, I love the fact that, uh, a lot of times he tends to have kind of longer matches with guys. So they're, they're yeah. always exciting. Um, and, uh, and he gets some wins here or there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and I love the fact that I can kind of play him as, as in my middleweight division, or I can even have him challenging some of the like lighter, you know, heavyweight guys, for instance, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as I might classify him. And then the other guy, honestly, is Roddy Piper. Like Roddy mm-hmm. Piper is, you know, he's, he's main event level talent. There's no doubt about it. But I can put him in there with other kind of main, main event guys. And if he loses a match, it's no big deal. Now, oftentimes, like, there are crazy brawls and DQs that have taken place with him. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's in a feud right now with Nick Bockwinkle. And I don't know that there's been a, a clean finish in, in any of their <laughs> matches thus far. But um, but it's okay if he if he loses just because, again, you've got that, that personality um, behind him. Um, I do have one last question, and then I kind of want to throw it over to Todd and Mike again and see if there's anything else before we go to our, our final little segment. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, talking about all these feuds and title matches and, and that sort of stuff, and, and, you know, you mentioned kind of rooting for guys. Are there any house rules that you use to maybe, like, you know, keep title reigns a little longer or, you know, ensure that a blow-off doesn't maybe end in, like, a, you know, a snake eyes or a fluke roll or something like that so that you can have that huge main event that maybe you've been building to actually go, you know, uh, a while as opposed to ending in, like, three moves? Do you use any house rules at all? Great question, yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of promoters, I roll twice for DQs. Um, just to, you know, and, and I still get a good amount of DQs, especially with like the interference charts or, you know, guys who just have the, the higher DQ ratings. It's still, you still get a, a fair amount of them. Um, but uh, otherwise, as far as uh, one rule I use for my top three titles, my world, world tag team and my Southern heavyweight title. And this was a rule I think Stu came up with a long time ago, um, I think it was the second year of my USWA, which would have been 2005, 
Um, and Stu, if, if you didn't make this up, well, take the credit anyway. <laughs> but uh, basically just kind of a way to make the matches, the title matches, go longer and avoid those flukes. Um, I don't end the match until one wrestler's pin has hit at least five or eight, five, um, you know, so any finishers, any kind of pin situations, just, just add one and just keep the match going. Um, you know, the exception to that is I will, if there's a DQ or a count out before that, and it can, you know, build to a good rematch. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. But as far as like a clean pin or, or submission, um, they've got to raise the pin to at least five, uh, before that can happen. And, um, and I found that that just, you know, just kind of extend, you know, you pay your money for that main event and to, to have it, you know, if you were, if this were real and the fans were real, uh, and to have it end in, you know, a Goldberg type of squash, uh, (laughs) you know, that's frustrating, you know, it's, it's hard to build up other challengers when your champions crushing everybody like that. It's one thing if they've got a long reign and they're winning, but to, to defeat everybody in two moves, you know, it's kind of, okay, who can I bring in next? That's going to sell any tickets. Right. Um, so that, that's one that I've been, I still use that today. Um, once in a while with my mid America title, if it's a, a feud that's been going along a long time, um, and even a few times I've the mid America titles main evented cards, um, I'll, I'll use it in that one too. Uh, but typically I do, um, mid America title. I'll just kind of do, you know, regular rules just cause just for something different, kind of set that apart. Uh, let's see other house rules. Um, I've, I've done kind of, I would say personalized rules for certain guys. Uh, for example, when I had the Sheik and he was a longtime Southern champ in my fed, anytime he rolled down three, leave, it was automatic, leave the ring. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like that. Um, when I eventually use Abdullah, the butcher, I'm sure it'll be the same way. Um, and there's probably somebody else that I've, I've done that with as well, but just, uh, you know, a guy who was known for a lot of DQ endings in his matches, um, something like that, just to kind of maybe get a DQ out of it. Uh, that little things like that I'll do. Uh, let's see here. Other house rules. And I, 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 yeah, I knew you guys were going to ask this and I meant to write down a list because I'm <laughs> oh, sure. Right. And some, some of them, you know, I use them so much. I, I kind of take for granted that they're house rules. <laughs> um, I guess one, and, and, you know, we've talked about this on our podcast and this has been on the discussion board as far as things like distractors, interference, pin saves, in my own fed, I will use those after a pin has actually occurred or a DQ has actually occurred. But of course, writing it up as, you know, the distraction, the save was made before right. it happened, you know, cause I, in my fed, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of booking for good matches, good storylines, so to speak. And so I'm going to, I'm going to um, do those, do them out of order. So to speak. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first started playing and, and I do some tag matches with Chad, um, in my mind, that's I, I misread the handbook. I thought that's how you were supposed to do it. Same here. Same yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, you, you know, you're, you're I, playing the game wrong. I'm playing the game I'm, wrong. I'm, I've been banned. I've been banned. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that goes back to my GWF days where that's, that's always been how I've played it again, just for not that everything has to be a five star match, but, you know, just with the theory of let's get the best out of this match that we can. Yeah. Um, kind of along those lines with, with tag team matches, with pin saves, especially for teams that don't, that do not have a manager. Um, if the first pin save is unsuccessful, I'll roll the second one right away. Cause why not? You know, might as well sure. right. <laughs> e- either get the chance to extend the match or it's already over, especially, especially in quicker matches. Um, yeah, I think, 
I think those are the biggest ones. And I, oh, one, one other one, and I, I think we've talked about this on our podcast with the the choice situations. Um, you know, I'll I'll play them by the rules. You know, do, choosing the agility or the power, or if it's one of the charts. Um, but I will for the agility and power moves. I will use the move that's printed on the card. So as I looked at yes. Doctor X, he's got handstand. He drop three with the choice G. So that's either a death jump or a power move. If I go with the power move, I'll say he does a handstand knee drop, not whatever. I don't remember offhand what's on the what's on the choice chart right now. But yeah. just to kind of give him his own his own flavor. And then you can say that move works better against these guys and not so much against these other guys, you know. So yep. Yep. I yeah, think those are the biggest, the biggest ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really I really like doing it that way, just to so not everybody's doing a moonsault or uh or right. You know. It's so funny that you bring up the moonsault, though, because I, I do it the same way and have done it that way for pretty much as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, in my classics fed, when I was when I was rolling on the chart, I decided that Tor and Caleb would actually have the moonsault <laughs> because I just you know I, I kind of pictured him. It's like okay, you know what? He's got he's he's got this you know this technical wrestling you know excellence and everything. But Kurt Angle was kind of the same way, and yet he'd still bust out good that point. moonsault. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Caleb has a moonsault. Why not? And so yeah, good point. You know, I, I, I gave him that, but but no. Other than that, I, I play it the same way. Um, no, I it, it's great to it's great to hear uh, uh, that because you know how how you know people play when they have house rules and you know and and have long time feds because you know for me I I'll admit I'm always a little gun shy of 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 using you know certain house rules because I like to try and play it by the book and I and I think that you know for me experimenting a little bit more would not necessarily be a bad thing um because it you know it it, it is one of the points of the game is that you get the opportunity to kind of come up with your own stuff and and figure out ways that you know how how does it work best for me mm-hmm. um which is which is I think just one of the the awesome things about the game in, in general, and, and it's one of the best ways to have fun. Um, you know, here's an interesting question. I did this for a Ring of Honor Fed that I ran for a little while, um, and I'm just curious because of the way that oftentimes you know USWA shows. I feel like they have a nice pacing and, and rhythm to them, and, and this could just be all in the write up and not at all and necessarily what's happening in rolling up the matches, but. What I would do, and it worked because in my mind, these are all taped shows. So Mm -hmm. I would, you know, I'd roll out the the card however I had planned it. But then I would break up the matches so that I had the best flow. So it wouldn't Mm. necessarily be like, you know, this is the order that I rolled the matches in. It would be like, okay, you know, I had this match, you know, was was a short match and this match ended in a DQ. They're not going to be my main event. I'll put them in, you know, my opening matches or whatever. Oh, this match Mm -hmm. went for like 20 plus minutes and had, you know, seven tokens or whatever. That's going to be my main event. You know, have you ever done that? Have you ever like rolled out a card and then moved a match around, you know, after the fact? I, yeah. I, I know we talked about this with Tim's Fed on one of our recent shows. I can't remember ever doing that. Yeah. But but I wouldn't be surprised if I did. Sure. Um, I know just in in planning the cards ahead of time, the like one little thing I try to do, especially in the USWA, is whenever one of the managers is managing multiple guys on the show, I try to space him out so that he's not nice. managing back to back. Yeah, but every now and again, I'll be in the middle of the card, and it's like, oh crap, Humperdinck's managing twice in a row. <laughs> so I'll say that he didn't initially come out, but then he kind of hustled back to the ringside area, right. um, just to because you know that um, you know I think of like the WWF in the '80s and all the managers they had. I'm sure all the tapings, all the you know 
marathon shows they did, there was probably some point where Bobby Heenan was managing back-to-back squash matches on superstars or something like that. Right. But it, it, you know, in general, they did try to space those guys out. Um, but I can't, no, I, I know what you're saying. And I, I can't think off the top of my head of a time I've done that. Um, you know, like once in a while, I'll kind of have a super card planned out as far as the order. And maybe by the time I get there, I might say, well, I'm going to flip flop these two matches. Cause you've got two stipulations here. Let's spread out the, the stipulation matches a little bit sure. or, or this feud has been a little bit hotter these last few weeks. So that's going to get a higher spot on the card. Um, but not within playing the card itself. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of popped into my head there last minute. Sure. Um, so, uh, before, like I said, before we move on to our next segment, uh, Todd, do you have any other uh, things that you wanted to ask? Uh, well, well, as the tournament master, you know, <laughs> I, I have to ask a tournament related question here. Of course. Uh, so in, in setting up your tournaments in USWA, how mm-hmm. do you like to structure your brackets? Is there certain philosophies that you have as far as how you do that, do that setup? Great question. I, you know, it kind of depends on the tournament. Um, I haven't done a lot of tournaments over the years um, for the initial champions and a couple of times when belts were vacated. Top contenders um, and stuff like that. Yeah, top, yeah I've, I've, I haven't done a lot of those, but I talking about that angle with Destroyer leading yeah. into Dr. X, Destroyer won an eight-man tournament for that because it was just kind of a point where end of the year I didn't have like a strong contender for Thez to go to the super card. So I said, well, we're going to portray it this way. Whoever wins this big tournament fights Fez for the belt on the biggest show of the year. Um, you know, kind of like the Royal rumble mentality in WWE these days. But as far as the tournament itself, you know, I kind of look at who I put into it. I think the biggest tournament I've done is eight man or team. I don't think I've done any 16 man yet. Um, but I kind of have an unofficial one and two seed in mind. And then I just try to, you know, separate those guys so that in theory they could meet in the finals it rarely seems to end up that way. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in, in our USW episode, I talked about that with my initial world title tournament where Bachwinkle lost by via DQ and Frank Gotch was out pretty early. Um, so the guys that I was kind of in, in, anticipating going the farthest, you know, didn't, didn't quite make it. Um, I don't, I don't like to, you know, do seating for the whole thing. Um, as a as a high school wrestling coach, I go to a lot of seating meetings for tournaments. And <laughs> once you get past the top, three seeds it's like why are we still talking about this so so when it, when it comes to pro wrestling it's like ah, let's just kind of keep it simple you know see and especially in a, in a dice game let's see what the dice say and you know um who's who's gonna end up there but yeah. if i've got two guys that i'm really pushing toward the title i would or, or the whatever the prize is you know let's let's try to keep that till the end if we can so and a little bit, a little baby face heel matchups in the first Usually, round, as much as yeah, as much as as much as possible. You know, so I I often seem to be a little heel heavy in general, just because uh, you know I can see heels fighting each other from different groups more than baby faces fighting each other. I try to save baby face matches, you know, for big things like title title mm-hmm. matches. Um, uh, but but heels like you know heels are jerks. So <laughs> heel from from Jim Cornette's group might fight a heel from Jimmy Hart's group and. And uh, they'll pretend to be friends, but then once fists start flying, every anything goes. So, mm-hmm. Mike, anything, uh, anything from you? Um, well, I mean, I I was not as polite as Todd. I jumped in quite a few times in the middle of this. So, so <laughs> no, right. you know, I mean, you know, it, it's you know, it, I I think um, I guess who's the one guy that you haven't introduced into your fed 
who you're looking the most forward. I know you talked a little bit about, you know, you bring certain people in, but like, is there somebody out there who you're like, you're just looking forward to so much, maybe somebody who knew we signed, you know, in color that, you know, we haven't had, you know, yeah. or somebody, maybe somebody black and white who you've never used either. Like I'd actually like mm-hmm. the answer to both of those maybe. Sure. Great. Great question. And, um, this is kind of something we talked about just in our recording of our show last night, as far as how many brand new guys have come in color. And according to um, Chad's math, which Chad himself admits, he's not a mathematician. Um, you know, I think we've got about a hundred guys over a hundred guys. I think he said that were, that never had a black and white card. Wow. And, and that's just amazing. You know, um, especially the last couple of years, the signings we've got and, some of the signings we've made that haven't been released yet. Um, there's some, there's some huge names coming fans. Um, yeah, don't, don't, don't mention any of those, <laughs> but, you know, like we signed bleep. No, <laughs> um, no, I can't wait to use bleep. bleep. <laughs> no, <laughs> me yeah, too. Just... Me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's amazing. How come you don't threaten Corey with the mute button? <laughs> you threaten me with the mute button. Corey's over here. Probably to spill secrets. And... Cause, cause, oh. cause I, cause Corey, I know what Corey's going to do. So yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's all good. Oh. So, um, I would say guys, from black and white and and the two i'm thinking off the top of my head have since gotten color cards um macho man randy savage like i said and uh tommy rich you know um, okay you know tommy rich especially with the the history in memphis i was just gonna say um, it's hard to believe he hasn't you know made it into your fed yet he's kind of been there's been years where i get to the my uh, talking about my planning spreadsheet i'll i'll kind of put a note for the following year that tommy rich is going to debut and then just didn't feel right um, he's kind of a guy too, you know, I know for a lot of promoters, we've talked about this a lot, you know, they don't quite get what a big star he was, you know, Memphis, Georgia, um, national TV, early days of cable. I mean, this is a huge name and he's kind of a guy too, that I've wanted to protect, um, in a sense, you know, and not, n- not have him come in and, and lose a lot. So, um, but he will, he'll be coming in. Um, he's definitely on the, on the plans right now. Uh, so I'd say those two out of guys that were originally black and white um, from the color, definitely Kurt Angle. Really excited to use him. As I mentioned before, he was a bootleg I did years ago, even before he reached the peak. You know, I, I could pull up those original bootleg stats and they were not as tough as the official card um, just because he hadn't gotten there yet. Um, and uh, and so just with what he has achieved since then, and, you know, now he's pretty much retired. Um, uh, that and, and always loved Kurt Angle, you know, amateur wrestler, um, and kind of, you know, what, what Sam was saying where, yeah, he does the amateur style, but he'll throw in moves like a DDT or a moonsault and something else. And just always loved how he adapted to the, to the pro game so much so quickly. Uh, so yeah, Kurt Angle for sure. Um, some, as we do honorable mentions on our show, uh, I also have to throw in Jack Briscoe and Bob Backlund, uh, just, just names, two names I never thought we'd get. And, um, you know, never would have imagined. Of course, Jerry Briscoe has been such a blessing to this game with his tie-ins with the Hall of Fame. Um, but just never would have imagined we could have had two world champions of that caliber in our game. So that's that's been huge. No, I mean, those are some great names you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just debuted Jack and my Fed recently. Awesome. And actually, in my COVID re- reboot, as mm-hmm. we were talking about before the show, you know, mm-hmm. Jack came in as one of the guys who, like, sort of when a bunch of people went away because of that, you know, he was one of the guys that sort of came in and, and went. So I, I was, I was really excited. I, and unlike you, I, you know, I think it was Sam who was talking about, it. he brought in, 
Jerry and Jack together. Mm-hmm. I actually brought in Jack by himself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and I've got Jerry there waiting like, yeah. you know, for the right moment to come yeah. in. Right. But, but um, it's, it's, you know, it's to me, it's always like I, we get a new set and I'm like, Oh, I want to use him. Oh, I right. want to use, you know, yep. like that's, that's the really hard part is not just bringing in every guy you want, because like you said, you want to protect these guys to some right. degree. Right. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, and that's really the tough spot is, is that you don't want, you know, I, I'm like thinking of doing like a whole, like, WWF superstar show where mm-hmm. it's just like we've now got a lot of enhancement guys in the game. So it's like, hey, I'm just gonna have right. guys squash people. So it's like what people see on TV is just you know these guys winning, mm-hmm. right? And then and then you have the house shows that are where the the real matches happen. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's you know talking about the Briscoes. That's that's a tough one for me, um, just because I love Jerry as a person <laughs> right. and. Um, you know, wow. I mean, do, do I bring them in as a team first? Or, I mean, my, my, my inclination is to bring in Jack as a singles first, kind of like you said, Mike, but um, I mean, and that's kind of how they, that was in real life is Jack got a singles push first. Then after losing the, the world title kind of took, you know, t- took it a little lighter schedule, but then eventually finished his career in, as a, as a tag team with Jerry. So maybe I kind of go that route, but I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe. Well, Jerry, I mean, Jerry can come in and, and make the save, right. You know, it right. could be the, you know, like mm-hmm. Jack needs that backup and Jerry, right. I mean, that, that's my sort of, you know, in pencil plan. Like as, as sure. you said earlier, Corey, the dice can always, you know, make life interesting. Mm-hmm. For but, sure. But, for sure. But, 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 you know, Jerry comes in and has the big, babyface moment where he comes mm-hmm. out and saves his brother or yep. you know his brother needs a mystery opponent right you know, or, you mm-hmm. know needs a, a mystery tag partner and, and he brings his brother you know like yep. like that's something like that where you can do that um but yeah no it's 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 tough with these yeah, guys because we is. like you said i mean I, I don't think you know when we were all sitting around five six years ago talking about the next legend set mm-hmm. i don't think any of us could have imagined like just how many fantastic names oh, yeah have come into this game. I yeah. mean, Vader's one I haven't yeah. done yet. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I go, and, and again, he's one of those guys you go, it's got to be the right moment. Like I can't right. just bring Vader into feud just sort of with a mid card guy and not right. have a plan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, yeah, it's just amazing. The names we've got Vader, Stan Hansen, the Stan rock and roll yeah. express, even some of the kind of lower card names. So, and I'm not trying to insult anybody, but, um, I never imagined we'd get Wild Bill Irwin, you know. I mean, um, and the, and he was, and I've said this before. He was suggested by someone else who's signed who hasn't been released. So, and th- and that man's name is Beep. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just I mean, just the fact that I signed one guy, and then he says, "Hey, what about Wild Bill Irwin?" Well, I'd love to talk to Wild Bill Irwin. So, yeah, yeah right? just you know, such a variety of of legends. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you bring up Stan Hansen because he's one of those guys for me that, uh, you know, I've, I've wanted to bring in and, and haven't mm-hmm. yet. And, yeah. and, and sometimes I wonder too, with, you know, with a guy like Stan Hansen and, and it's kind of what I did with, with Luthez because I didn't want to necessarily have him around a ton, um, is that it would be easy enough to just 
bring him in for, you know, uh, a quick run or just a main event match, you know, one of my big shows or something like that, um, which I, which I may actually do. But, uh, I, you know, there's so many guys in this, this legends fed that I haven't used that I've used quite a bit in other feds, which is one of the reasons Mm -hmm. why I'm not bringing them in as much. Like I haven't brought in Bruiser Brody yet. I haven't brought in Mm -hmm. Randy Savage yet. And both of those guys were, you know, two of my main guys in my last legends fed for Mm -hmm. for quite a while. So it's, you know, I think that that's kind of the great thing, um, you know, through all the permutations of whether or not you're, you know, you're, you're rebooting the Fed or running a new Fed, or if you've just run the same Fed for a very long time, you get the opportunity to like bring guys in out, and you know, there's there's always options down the road, mm-hmm. um, and, and and especially like you know, going back to Jack Briscoe, like I was saying earlier, I, I'm bringing him back. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of of when and how. Um, well, I I think th- I mean this has just been awesome, and I could you know, continue this conversation for hours. Um, but we do have another segment, uh, that the tournament master has, uh, uh, ready for us here, I believe to go, uh, which I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking about, although I've already, uh, before I've, I've already talked about this before, uh, on the podcast, but I don't know that we've heard everybody else's. So I'm really looking forward to hearing everyone else's. So, so take it away, Todd. Yeah. So yeah, I heard some discussion, uh, some discussion online earlier today about, uh, the first live event that you ever went to go see, and I was like, oh, that'd be kind of fun to kind of hear what everybody's first live wrestling show was. So, mm-hmm. Corey, you said you have a very good record of a lot of those things. So, what, what is it that you first went to see when you first saw your first live wrestling? Sure. And I'll just say, yeah, uh, Todd emailed me about an hour before we started recording. And I said, well, luckily I'm a nerd and I have, I, I started this, I think it was right before the pandemic, but I've been trying to keep up on it as much as I can. Just, I've just got a, a Word doc here with every card I've attended. Um, you know, I didn't keep records at the time so much. Now, even the, the Midwest indie shows I go to, I've been trying to do a better job of that. I keep a, a handwritten notebook and then type it up later. So some of these I had to find online and some of the results are kind of incomplete. But uh, and this, the very first card I attended, it was an AWA show, the, uh, one of the last years of the full-time AWA, 1989, uh, April 14th. And this was at the North Iowa Fairgrounds in Mason City. It was a hockey rink. And I think we talked about that on our hockey episode of uh, Uncharted Territory. Um, I don't have the full results from this. It took me a long time to find these online. I remembered a lot of the wrestlers that were there. I have images of them appearing. Um, and I could kind of guess based on the matchups, you know, who won a lot of those. Uh, but I'll just, it's, it was, um, from the results I found, there were five matches on the card and that seems to fit my memories of it. Uh, but you had this new guy. He was, he was, I think very new. Uh, his name was Scott Norton. Have you heard of him? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so yeah, Scott Norton, um, first year or so in wrestling, um, huge. And I remember him coming out. I didn't know him at the time, but he was just huge. I mean, of course he still is, but <laughs> just, you know, big looking dude. Uh, he wrestled, um, Wayne Bloom of the destruction crew whom I've met. And Wayne is an awesome guy. Um, and I'm pretty sure Norton would have won that one, just being the, the rookie and everything and the baby face. And then the other half of the destruction crew, Mike Enos, whom I also met, and he's a great guy too. Uh, Mike wrestled Ken Patera. And uh, Patera, at the time, he and Brad Ringens were the AWA tag champs. They were called the Olympians. And I remember Patera coming to the ring with the belt on. Um, and I just had, a, I remembered, you know, I knew Patera had wrestled in the WWF. Uh, so it was really cool to get to see him. Um, I'm pretty sure Patera would have won that match again as the babyface and as the champion. Uh, and then we, there was one tag team match. So there was the tag team called the top guns and there, there were some different versions of this as guys kind of came in 
left AWA, but this was Tommy Jammer and Derek Dukes, who AWA fans would remember from the last years. They wrestled Bad Company, which was Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka, and they'd later become the Orient Express. Um, they were managed by Diamond Dallas Page, although he wasn't he wasn't at the show, and I think he was kind of kind of you know wrapping up with the AWA at that point. Um, I don't remember who won that one, uh, but I do remember the, the tag team match. And then this was a really interesting one. I for years I was trying to remember who was in this match. Um, I asked Chad about it. It was just, it's a weird match given the time frame of everything. But Wahoo McDaniel wrestled Tommy Rich, and it's just kind of weird because Rich was in the AWA for a few months here as a heel, not very long. But I just what I remember about the match was the blood. <laughs> I mean, both of these guys known for bleeding, and Rich with the blonde hair, and they were fighting out <laughs> in the crowd near us. You know, pretty wild for 1989. But here's these two guys just soaked in blood, <laughs> and I'm eight wow. years old. I'm eight years old watching this, and it was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it ended up in like a double DQ or double count out. Um, but again, just the blood is what I remember the most out of that one. And then uh, main event was Larry Zabisco defending the AWA title against uh, Greg Gagne. Um, Greg was the AWA international TV champ at the time, which was a secondary belt they had just in the last couple of years of the promotion. It wasn't wasn't around a very long time. It was basically a belt for Greg. Um, I know, obviously, Zabisco retained the belt in that one. Um, in the results I found online, they didn't give a decisive winner. I mean, I feel like maybe Greg won by a DQ, so he didn't didn't leave as the champ. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was my, my first card. So um, later that year, I got to go to my first WWF show, and that was headlined by Ultimate Warrior against Rick Rude for the Intercontinental title. And this was when Rude was the champ um, mm-hmm. before Warrior won it back. So it was pretty, pretty cool to get to see... Uh, two cards like that in my, in, in the same year. Sometime in the late spring, early summer of 89. Then uh, I guess uh, that was, uh, I got the date here, July 21st. Um, yeah. It was at ve- the veterans Memorial Coliseum in Des Moines, which a few months before that same year was when Zeus appeared and beat up Hogan outside the cage in the Hogan boss man, Saturday night's main yeah. event cage match, yeah, yeah, yeah. same arena. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, they, that was a pretty cool year for Des Moines. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, Very cool. I, I remember yeah. seeing that Saturday Night's Main Event live. Actually, well, not live, I do too. But yeah, yeah. Uh, when it aired, yeah. yeah, I do too. We we were we were um we were camping in like a uh, RV kind of thing that weekend, and we had a TV, you know, that picked up picked nice. up the network stations, and so we're sitting in this camper, and here comes this huge Zeus beating up on Hogan. So. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that very well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Mike, what about you? Um, I, I was trying to sit here, you know, and remember what my first live match was or my live card was, and I couldn't remember. So I said, well, what was my first pay-per-view? Mm. You know, like what, what was and, – and I know what my first pay-per-view was because I experienced it with somebody on this podcast. That's <laughs> right. Um, it, it was uh, – 2008 is that right todd yeah i think so yeah january. yeah january of 08 the royal rumble in madison square garden um nice. and you know i don't remember the whole card but what i remember was you know john cena coming off a six to ten month recovery shows up three months after surgery and you know is the last guy in the royal rumble and and knocks off triple h who everybody thought was going to be the the Vince booking of doom moment where triple H wins again and Cena, Cena comes out and, you know, I think, you know, it was like a fireman's carry and just like tosses him out of the ring. Like it was just like a quick boom, boom, boom. You're you're out. Um, he F U'd him out out of the ring. And, um, 
you know, th- that was cool. I mean, if, if you've never done an event at Madison Square Garden, it's it's really, really cool. Um, the crowd's an, a knowledgeable, experienced crowd. You know, like it, it, it they get it, as, as a collective, the crowd gets everything. Yeah. And like even in that moment where, where Todd and I were sitting with, and I'm forgetting the other guy. Who was yeah, it's my, my friend Jim came yeah, with we, us. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we were sitting there and we couldn't see the entrances. We were like on the same side of the arena as the entrances. And in Madison Square Garden, it was like this short ramp, you know, out. Yeah. Like there wasn't, and so we couldn't see it. But you could hear from the, even before the music hit, like you could hear this like silence come over the crowd. <laughs> And nobody knew what was going to happen because, like, everybody had come out. Like, you know, there was nobody left to come out. Yeah, so all he, the announced names. It was a mystery. Right. Yeah. And, and so it was – and, norm, and it's, the 30th is never a mystery guy. Like, so nobody yeah. really knows what to do now. Like, they're like, who is it? And then you hear the, you know, the John C, you know, his, you know, brrr, you know, like, and, 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 and you're like, it's like, oh my god! And you're like, no, it can't be. It like, can't yeah. be. <laughs> and, and, and and you know, now it's that iconic like smirk he has on his face, yep, you know, yep, coming yep. out and everything. Yep. But it was like, because I remember walking in talking about John Cena, you know, like into the pay per view, and you know, it, what a shame it was that would happen to him that this would be a great event for him and but you know, like. And nobody, I mean, I'm saying this and I'm still not thinking John Cena is coming back. Right. 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 Like, like, you know, and I I mean, to me, it was one of those cool moments. But if you ever have a chance to see a pay-per-view in Madison Square Garden, it is very different. It is very like, um, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's intimate, right? It's not a big arena like the modern arenas are. Actually, it's fairly big though. Like, no, it's, but it's I mean, like big, like height wise. Like what I mean? Oh is, yeah, like, height wise. Yeah, yeah. Like arenas now, they build narrower and taller. Right. Yeah, true, like, true. Like Madison Square Garden is like it, it's more of a bowl. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm, where yes. where you know, and so it's it, it's a very different experience because they don't have the room to put in the big Titantron and ramp and everything like they do in all these other arenas. So it, it's really different. And uh, it's well worth the experience if you ever have a chance. And the other big noteworthy uh, thing for that evening, it was the debut of Mike Adamley on the WWE. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say Jeff that Harvey. because we, we, we didn't have the benefit of hearing any of that while we were there live. So this is true. This is true. <laughs> uh, Sam, what was what was your uh, first one again? Just uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I know that I have mentioned this before, but I'll go ahead and 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 do it again, just because uh, I didn't talk about all of the matches before. Uh, and I'll give them a quick rundown. But my first uh, show was uh, a WWF house show. Uh, Friday, October the 9th, 1992 at St. Louis Arena in St. Louis, Missouri. My dad took me to the show. Um, and I got to see the Repo Man defeat the <laughs> Uh, Tatanka defeat the Mountie, which I actually remember being a pretty good match. Um, which you know could just be the 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 fog of of, of a ten year old, or I would have been eleven at the time actually. Um, uh, Earthquake defeated Ted DiBiase. Razor Ramon defeated Randy Savage by countout, and I remember this match because I something happened uh, and Savage actually left the ring. Um, 
it was like it was like chasing somebody and 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 now I can't recall exactly who it was it must have been whoever he was like feuding with at the time or something like that and and Razor Ramon just stayed in the, the ring and and got the count out win mm-hmm. um I don't remember this next match at all uh but apparently it happened a handicap match Road Warrior Animal defeated Double Trouble the team of Val Puccio and Tony Puccio Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, Nails defeated Big Boss Man, um, which I don't remember much about that other than being excited to see Big Boss Man because he was, you know, at this point he was a baby face mm-hmm. and being very disconcerted by Nails. I just, I, he was just, it, no, I, I it, yeah. Uh, and then the main event of the evening, which I have talked about uh, uh, a few times before, was uh, Bret Hart uh, and Papa Shango. Bret Hart, of course, won that match. And uh, it was a thrill for me. Bret Hart was my favorite wrestler. Um, and uh, and that was just, yeah, that was just a big deal for me to see him uh, in the ring with Papa Shango. They had a really good match, actually. And the thing that I will never forget and the thing that I've mentioned before, and, I, and to this day I'm still kind of surprised about, is that Bret bled. Um, in that match. And I remember my, we were sitting, I don't remember exactly how far away, maybe nine or 10 rows or something back, uh, from the ring. My dad had gotten us pretty good seats. And my dad kind of like during the main event in particular, tried to kind of like push me up as, as close as I could possibly get. And I, because they were, they were fighting at ringside and I, and I just remember, and I'll never forget this, that Brett had been like smashed into the uh, guardrail and he was, I'm pretty sure he'd already been, he had to have been already been bleeding at that point, but I hadn't seen it yet. And he whips his head back and his hair kind of flies back. And I just see the blood and I just turned around to my dad and I'm like, dad, he's bleeding. And I didn't, you know, and I was kind of freaked out. I was kind of like, I was like, is he okay? Are they going to stop the mad? You know? And, uh, uh, and of course, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome. And looking back on it now, it's just, you know, it's kind of, like, oh, that's really cool. And I can remember reading something, and this is probably like 20 years ago, maybe even more, on the internet about how Brett um, was I, – I, I hate – you know, I'm because I'm just a fan. I hate to use these terms. But I remember reading this article that talked about Brett being very good with a blade. And I was like, well, but I never saw him bleed that much because at that point all I'd really ever seen him do was like – you know, WWF stuff and, uh, and WCW. And I, you know, I remembered immediately after reading the article, I remembered the match with Piper, um, at WrestleMania was eight. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I remember thinking to myself that he had fooled everyone because the story goes that when they got back to the back, Vince was pissed about the blood and Piper and Hart were able to convince him that it was, that it was hard way mm-hmm. um, yep. because he was so good at hiding it. Whereas of course in the main event, flair does it like right in front of the camera and you can see exactly <laughs> what he's doing and when he does it. And of course he got fined for it. Um, and, but, but then looking back on it, I found out through a little bit more research um, of course, during his stampede days, he, you know, he bled all the time. Mm-hmm. And after doing some research, I found out that apparently during house shows, he could get away with it. Hmm. So 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 it was not out of the ordinary for Brett to get a little color at house shows back in the hmm. day, which is why in that St. Louis show that I saw, he he was able to to bleed. So hmm. I always Pretty thought that well. was kind of interesting. But yeah, that was awesome. that was my first show. Cool. Well, my first show was the earliest, I guess, out of the four of us, uh, January third, nineteen eighty eight, in Nassau Coliseum in mm. Rhode Island. Uh, looks like it was probably uh, the B squad. Uh, I saw that <laughs> and I looking at the, the lineup here. 
Uh, we had Butch Reed defeating Outback Jack. So I didn't see Outback Jack in the one month he was actually on TV. Uh, Ron ba- Outlaw Ron Bass defeated Lanny Poffo. Demolition Axe and Smash beat the uh, Rougeau brothers. Bam Bam Bigelow, who just had debuted right before that, he defeated Sika. Don Morocco, I believe in the start of his rock phase there, defeated Hercules. And the British Bulldogs defeated the Bolsheviks. Now, the main event, this was at the, again at the NASA Coliseum, January 1988, a couple weeks before the Bunkhouse Stampede ran by the NWA would be in the same exact building, right? So the Bunkhouse Stampede coming in the end of January. So in the same building, what is WWF going to do? They're going to run the Bunkhouse Brawl. And it is a come-as-you-are battle royal. Uh, So everybody who was there earlier in the night came on back. A couple other people in there. I see Billy Jack Haynes, Dangerous Danny Davis, <laughs> Dino Bravo, Ernie Ladd, which is kind of cool. Wow. The Ernie Ladd, you know. Uh, Ken Patera, I see added in there. Sam Houston, uh, Junkyard Dog, big favorite, One Man Gang, and The Ultimate Warrior. But uh, the winner of that was uh, the man who won earlier in the night, Bam Bam Bigelow. And was uh, being set up for some big things uh, to come there. Uh, so yeah, that was that was my first ever show there. Um, I remember I remember that just being the battle royal. And I, if I remember right, I think the next year I went back and they had another like bunkhouse battle royal. As well, <laughs> but I don't know. But I do remember Bam Bam winning, uh, being the big guy, and being one of my favorites. Kind of going into that year after that. So cool. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. Man, what a what a fascinating trip down memory lane. It, it, it mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to hear about the shows that people have attended because I like I, I've had the fortune over the past five years of going to a lot of indie shows here in Chicago, um, but I haven't been to you know like a a major promotion show in a very long time. I mean, I went to All In, but you know nobody really knew what that was at the time. Right. You know that was pre AEW, and and unfortunately I've you know, I've missed out on the AEW shows that have come to Chicago since then. Um, so really, it, you know, I've got under my belt, I've got that WWF house show. I've got a Nitro that I went to when we lived in Charlotte. Uh, I did a bunch of like ECW, you know, house shows when I lived in Pennsylvania. Um, and then everything. And then I didn't go to a, a live wrestling event for, you know, probably like over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and that's when I started going to shows, you know, um, here like shimmer and rise and aaw um and stuff like that so um yeah i've done a lot of indie stuff over the past five years but i haven't been to a major promotions show uh in quite a while well get you uh, the aws in chicago like every other month so i'm sure yeah. oh yeah i know I, I i i'm definitely gonna by, by the way cm punk will be on the car i know i'm still kind of kicking myself for not going to that i just i just you know some people might shake their heads but i just wasn't i wasn't ready yet you know i had two two unvaccinated kids in the house and just just wasn't uh wasn't in the cards but um you know it was in the cards the fact that i have the upper deck promo card number zero uh, CM Punk card uh, that I got in, in, in the mail a few weeks ago. Um, cool. I actually have four of them. So uh, I decided to order multiples because... Wait, I you have four number team. zeros? I, I do. <laughs> wow, uh, interesting. And, uh, yeah, I don't get all these promo stuff. They, they get all this. It's all I mean, they're selling for like 50 bucks 
now on yeah. eBay. So you know, so I, I I'm I'm glad that I bought four. We'll see we'll see if I get rid of them. But um, anyway, well, that's neither here nor there. I did want to say something before we uh, before we wrap up. I know uh, Corey's got to go here. I did want to respond to one thing that I heard on Uncharted Territory last week. Oh, is it what I think it is? Because if it's what I think it is, I pulled up the analytics myself to respond to it. (laughs) Oh, is it is it the the country of Australia? It is the country of Australia. There you go. So you you mentioned country of Australia and, 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 and Stu commented, you know, what, what did he say? Uh, you know, take, he said, that, take that roll up. Yeah. Take that roll up. <laughs> oh, did he? Well, I will say we've had listeners, not only from Australia, but also New Zealand since last we have two. year. Yep. So, yeah, we've had New so. Zealand for a while. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, hold on now, Corey. You can't go trying to claim that now. We, we <laughs> go back and listen. Go okay? back and listen. <laughs> Here, here you go. I'll give you a quick rundown here. United States, obviously. Canada, United Kingdom, Ireland, Japan, Sweden, Romania, Australia, mm-hmm. Mexico, France, Netherlands, Denmark, Italy, New Zealand, and Russia. Nice. Thanks. That's that's. Oh, we that's got a lot more got. than that too, but that, that's just the first page there. Right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's yeah. funny. The, 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 I, I ask for this information, they never give it to me. You know, like it's. <laughs> a, I, I just want to know. Go but to the website. Know. It's not that. Hard. Oh well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that later. But but and we, but and we, yeah. and we have but, Ghana and uh, Nigeria, but we're missing uh, in between Togo because I I really want that dick Togo. Um, <laughs> but but I, you know what I'm really looking for is lithuanian so you know anybody who has friends in lithuania just send it over to them you know i mean like let, let's get them the link all right i, I want to see lithuania on, on on the list so all right all right all right all right well look it's all in good fun because uh as i have said many times before that my favorite podcast is uncharted territory so this has been a thank pleasure you. to have you on Corey. uh thank you. thank you so much you know for coming and, and sharing your your knowledge your your wisdom uh it's so cool that you know here we are in 2020 2022 getting the opportunity to talk and have like a serious conversation about something mm-hmm. that is just pure fun and joy yes. and, and something that we, you know, that we love, but you know, it's just one of many, many things that we love and we do and, and, and all yep. of the other hobbies and everything. But to be able to have a conversation like this is super cool. And uh, again, you know, I'm, I continue to be amazed and thrilled by, by all of these things because as, as much as I've been around, I've been playing the game. It's really only been these past few years that I've started having you know these conversations with fellow promoters. So thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys once again for, for having me and for being flexible, rearranging everything. I appreciate it. So this was a lot of fun and uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for inviting me on. So yeah, well, we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm sure that, that there are many other things that we could talk about, but is there anything else that we need to talk about, Todd? I don't think so. Keep an eye out for uh, Legends teasers on Fridays coming up. So mm-hmm. some guys maybe to enhance your fed. My... <laughs> Mike, anything from you? Uh, you know, I'm just going to say goodnight to my friends on the Baltic and, uh, you know, hopefully soon to include those in Lithuania. And uh, <laughs> We do have know, a Latvian. That, we do have a Latvian listen. So, you know, maybe he's the proud of that, 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 That's okay. Latvia is good. I mean, I'm glad about Latvia, but Lithuania is what I'm holding out for. Estonia would be fine, but, but it, Lithuania is what Lithuania? I'm holding out for. Right. Well, um, but, uh, you know, and, and thank you to Corey for being on. It's it's mm-hmm. it's always always a pleasure to uh, to share the uh, microphones with you. Thank and you. Uh, thank you. You know, hopefully we have you back on sometime soon after you know that that other podcast talks about the USWA again. We can have a better <laughs> there discussion. There you go. There you go. 
Sounds good. I'd just just to, yeah. so I can say, I want to say something that would like upset Tim. So that's really what well, I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> getting. Yeah, yeah, you got to, you know. <laughs> got to get a little heat there. Oh, if I could, oh. Sam, could I just throw out a quick plug for our show Please. this week? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we just, we recorded last night, as I said, you know, usually drop on Wednesday or Thursday and we'll probably do our usual Friday, I'm guessing. Uh, but we kind of have a unique show this week, some pre-recorded material, um, some uh, discussions of the Legends Expansion 9 set as we were working through that. Uh, so kind of three different segments that we pieced together. And uh, also Tim gives a recap of his uh, spring break or I should nice. say spring training trip. And then uh, also we have a very special cameo video or mess- audio message from a legendary wrestler, not a legend of wrestling in the game, but a very legendary wrestler. And I'm just going to leave it at that. You're going to have to download it and click it to find out who it is and, and get the backstory on that. This was, this was awesome. So little cool. teaser there. Fantastic. I look <laughs> forward to that. Yeah. Um, and that was good. Thank you. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, well, I, I certainly want to give a shout out to uh, all of the other fellow content providers, as Corey so expertly says, uh, on Uncharted Territory. That would, of course, include uh, the Legends of Wrestling crew uh, at Uncharted Territory, Corey, Chad, Tim, and Stu, uh, Grant Pachoco with the Filsinger Games Fan Podcast, uh, Lee Longproof with the Dizzy Dice, and, uh, of course, uh, Brock with Brockster Builds on Twitch, and, of course, the character spotlights that he and Mike Fortune have been doing and making available over on Facebook. Speaking of which, make sure you hit up that Facebook group uh Say it, Todd, because I'm going to screw it up. <laughs> uh, the uh, Phil Stern Games Promoters face group, Facebook group. Fantastic. And then, of course, there's always the message board, which you can access uh, through philsingergames.com, which is the website that will give you all of your teasers on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Again, uh, we've got the uh, Legend Teaser coming up this Friday, so stay tuned for that. And I think that's about it. So we're going to get out of here. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Stay safe out there. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Episode of Roll Up. <laughs> <laughs>